0: If you didn't get enough Rich Pilon in part one of episode 16, then you've come to the right place. Get ready for round two with Richie Pilon right now.
1: Nice one's really getting some good right hands in. Gillies is down with Sandstorm. Somebody better help Sandstorm.
2: Everyone must be held accountable for
1: their actions. You cannot see your star carried out in a stretcher and do nothing about it.
2: Oh my. Did Mick plant one on C card? Wow. You can't put a bounty on a man's head. I just did. Just
0: Welcome back to Coliseum Chronicles. I'm your host, Joe Lizito. This is part two of episode 16, my conversation with Richie Pilon. First things first, uh, I want to again thank Joe Marisic. Joe is the amazing artist who has designed my logo. And uh, Joe, I told you I was going to mention you on every episode, and here we go again. Uh, Joe is a great guy, and uh, obviously he is insanely talented. And if you have any uh, art projects that you're looking to get done, uh, Joe's your man. And you can reach Joe a few different ways. One, you can reach him on Twitter, at GraphicsJoker, at G-R-A-F-I-X-J-O-K-E-R. That's at GraphicsJoker. You can also reach him at LoudEgg.com. And uh, like I said, Joe is amazing. He's a great guy, and uh, I would definitely hit him up for any of your art projects. Also, as always, I'd like to uh, direct you to a few other podcasts that follow along the same lines of the hockey fight genre that uh, I am in that I'm sure you'd be interested in if you're listening to this show. Uh, One is the godfather of the hockey fight podcast. That's the fourth line voice show. Uh, Darren is now a member of the Hockey Podcast Network. Uh, his latest episode is a recap of the top 10 Bruins enforcers that was done by somebody, uh, I think, with ties to um, NBC in Boston. And um, a little bit controversial as far as, uh, far as those kind of lists go because uh, one of his entries in his top 10 was none other than your favorite and mine, Mike Milbury. And um, I guess uh, GMing aside, uh, Mike had a pretty decent NHL career. uh, And I think sometimes people think he was a a tougher player than he was. I mean, Mike played a physical style. He definitely was not uh, what I would call a good fighter. Uh, He didn't mind mixing it up. I'm not going to take that away from him. I don't want to shit on his career because he was such a fucking lousy GM. Uh, Mike did have a decent NHL career. Uh, That being said, Mike Milbury shouldn't even sniff the top 20 or 30, probably top 50 in terms of guys who have fought wearing uh, the Boston Bruins uniform. But uh, this gentleman included him in his top 10. I want to say maybe he was seven, eight around there, seven, eight or nine. and uh, as soon as I saw that I wondered if it had anything to do with the fact that this gentleman is affiliated with NBC, and of course Mike does uh, his spouting off on the NBC Sports Network, so I didn't know if that was a one hand washes the other type uh, situation there, but I think everybody knows, well maybe with the exception of the writer and Mike Milbury, uh, everybody knows Mike Milbury doesn't belong anywhere close to a top 10 uh, list of anything in terms of uh, Bruin's history. So um, I know Darren went over that. He, uh, he added his opinion on a, a few things. So it was a good listen. It was, it was really weird because even Darren noted that it was a, a quick episode. Uh, Darren and I uh, have a few things in common. One of them is the length of our episodes. Uh, I know we try to be as complete as possible, so we always have uh, episodes that are in the multiple hours And uh, this one was, I I believe it was around 40, 45 minutes. Uh, It was a good listen. And um, I I think him and I are pretty much on the same page as far as this stuff goes. Uh, I know that he recently interviewed uh, Bobby Longgrass from the Bucket Drop podcast. Uh, That hasn't been released yet. I think it'll be released this week. And I'm sure they are going to chat about Bobby's uh, top 10 that he posted recently on social media that had uh, Zdeno Chara pretty high. And um, I know Darren is. Uh, Darren has, uh, let's say, had conversations with many people regarding where they uh, put Big Z on their top ten list. And again, uh, I I kind of uh, I kind of side with Darren on this. I think a lot of people have Chara way too high, but I think it's also I think those those people that put him pretty high are probably in their twenties, probably teenager, early twenties or so, and. Um, they're kind of fed this line that Chara is this killer, and I'm a fan of Chara. I love the guy. I wish he was a career Islander. But uh, I mean, if we're being honest, if if you put Chara, uh, you know, against in in a league where there's regular heavyweights and he's fighting regular heavyweights, I'm not so sure he has the success that maybe he's had uh, lately, uh, playing in a league where you can count the number of true heavyweights on one hand. But that's not to disparage the guy. The guy's tough. The guy's a Hall of Fame defenseman. Uh, but I do, I do find his placement in a lot of people's rankings a bit odd. But again, um, to each their own, uh, as much as I think it might be kind of goofy, um, it's just good to see people make these lists because it, it shows that they're interested. But again, um, like I said, check out the the episode that I'm sure is going to be released this week fourth line voice with uh, Bobby Longgrass. Like I said, I, I imagine they're going to touch on his ranking of, uh, Zdeno Chara. Another show to uh, definitely give a listen to is five for fighting with Alec. Uh, I just listened to the episode he just had with Chris Nyland and, uh, it was another home run. Uh, Chris is Alec's favorite player. And, um, actually Alec has a real good story about going up to, uh, Montreal and hanging out with Chris for a few days. Um, Man, I could listen to Nylon all day. He's he's such a breath of fresh air in this age of vanilla. Um, I mean, it's just he's just so much fun to listen to. Uh, aside from his uh, Boston accent, you know, he sounds like an old school Boston gangster, and uh, he doesn't pull any punches. He he uh, speaks the way he played, and uh, you know, if you don't want to hear the truth, and definitely don't listen to Chris Nylon And um, I think it was Aaron Asham had spoken to Chris at uh, an alumni thing once where he, I don't know how I came up, but he was telling Chris a little bit about uh, my story and, and what had happened to me. And Chris actually reached out to me and, and we keep in touch uh, a little bit here and there. And uh, I have nothing but respect for the guy, I always did. And um, definitely check out uh, Alec's episode with, uh, with Chris Nyland. Uh, a lot of fun. Like I said, um, Chris is so great to listen to and Alec does a fantastic job. Today, as I was scrolling through Twitter, Dan Frawley, a former Buffalo Sabre, probably a a former Penguin, probably best known for his time with the Rochester Americans, uh, he posted something about a movie that had just hit American Netflix. I imagine it was probably available on Canadian Netflix uh, for a while, but it was just available on American Netflix. And uh, it's a movie called Indian Horse and uh it's pretty intense and uh it it um basically follows uh a young man from uh he's um first nations and it follow his follows his life from the time that he's a little kid uh up until I, get, I would imagine it probably takes you takes you into his forties and um it has a hockey theme to it um but there's so much more to it and like i said uh I, didn't, I had never heard of it, I didn't know what to expect, and uh, the hockey theme is what drew me into it, but um, it's, like I said, intense is really the one word that, uh, that comes to mind after watching it. I thought it was really well done, and um, if you're looking for something to watch, if you're, uh, you're at home and you need something to watch, I think it was like an hour and 40 minutes, uh, I would definitely check out uh, Indian Horse on Netflix. If you are interested in following me on social media, I have two Twitter accounts. I have a personal account, which is at Joe underscore Lozito. That's at J-O-E underscore L-O-Z-I-T-O. And the Twitter account for the show is at Kali Sinbin Pod. That's at C-O-L-I-S-I-N-B-I-N-P-O-D please uh, give me a follow on Twitter. As I've always said, I do follow back. Uh, pet peeve of mine is people that uh, ask you to follow them. And of course they don't reciprocate and follow you back. Uh, as I've said, I don't think you need to follow back if someone follows you. I do, of course, uh, I don't think you need to, but I think if you're asking people to follow you, uh, be courteous and uh, have some respect and follow them back. So. Uh, if you follow me on either one, I'll follow you back on whichever one you follow me on. And, um, and if you follow me on both, I'll follow you on both. Uh, I also have uh, Facebook, and uh, that would be the Coliseum Chronicles, the Penalty Box Facebook page. Please give that a like. And um, if you enjoy what I do here, um, please uh, rate and review the show on uh, Apple Podcasts, I, I think that's the big one where they ask for the ratings and the reviews i'm really not sure about the other platforms Uh, i myself when i listen to shows uh, i listen to it on apple and i I know there's a rating system and the reviews there and i know it goes a long way to uh, uh, help build the audience i guess you appear in more searches and uh, i'm not really too sure how it works i've never really looked into it but uh, if you wouldn't mind just uh, giving me a, a a quick rating uh five stars are always welcome but if you think i suck then uh, give me a one star but uh, if you don't mind uh, leaving me a rating and a review that would be uh, great and i would appreciate it very much so other than that i don't really have uh, too many other things to say Um, i hope everyone is safe during this uh virus nonsense it appears anyway that um The curve, as they're calling it, is is flattening in a lot of places. There's a lot of things that are reopening this weekend. Uh, And I know um, in places like uh, Regina or maybe the whole province of Saskatchewan that I think they they were down to zero cases. And maybe uh, I think it jumped up to four this week. But, uh, you know, I think we're seeing places where it is almost eliminated now. So um, hopefully everyone is safe. And um, other than that... Here is part two of my chat with Richie Pilon. Have a great day, everybody. Well, we're going to get to something that was fun. Well, some of it was fun. You're finally in the playoffs, and you're playing Washington. So did you ever hear uh, Keith Jones tell the story about his fight with you?
2: Yeah, I did hear it.
1: It's funny, actually. It's
0: a great story, and he's a very... Uh, very loquacious. He's a great storyteller, and uh, he's a pretty big deal in Philadelphia. And he does a lot of uh, national TV right now. Um, so I would uh, I would tell everybody if uh, if you haven't heard it, definitely go on YouTube and uh, listen to Keith Jones describe uh, his fight with Richie. And uh, Richie, if you don't mind, just telling people what basically what he said.
2: Well, what happened was uh, we were playing against Washington, mm-hmm. and I don't know who I hit. But then he actually, what happened was Keith had been, you know, I I don't know, with him in his first or second year, right? Yep. And he sees me with a visor, and he goes, well, I might as well pick on that guy. He's got a visor. He can't be tough. He's wearing a visor. Yeah. And calls me on. And I'm, like, going, holy shit, this this guy's really calling me on? Like, who's, like, at the time, I was, like, I don't think this guy's a tough guy. Like, what's he doing? Yeah. I'm, like, this is going to be fun, Mm -hmm. right? So... He called me on, I take off my helmet. Yeah. And he gave me this look on the ice like, his look on his face was, yeah, this wasn't a good idea. <laughs> <laughs> and then we end up, anyway, we fired kind of fucking, yeah, I actually beat him, Didn't I beat him up pretty fast, quick, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. And then uh, Mark Hunter basically said to him, uh, what the fuck were you thinking? Yeah. He goes, well, he was wearing a visor. I didn't think he was tough. He goes, just stay away from that fucking guy. <laughs> <laughs> the guy's fucking an animal or something yeah. like that, Hunter told him. And mm-hmm. don't, he's, don't mess with him. Just leave him alone. Yeah. So it was kind of funny. But, yeah, Keith, Keith just said that about a year ago, I think, on SportsCenter or something. Yeah, it was he's something like, like, yeah. like that. Yeah, mm-hmm. it was, yeah. So.
0: Yeah, definitely, everybody, uh, if you're not familiar with it, definitely look it up on YouTube.
2: Yeah, Uh, you can look it up on YouTube. It's freaking funny. It actually is funny. Keith does a really good job, you know. While he was the one telling the story, because I was, you know, I was the guy that obliged him.
0: (laughs) (laughs) So, so there was a uh, there was another incident in that playoff uh, at the Coliseum with uh, the aforementioned Dale Hunter. Um, So you were actually on the ice when uh, he cheap shot at Pierre Turgeon. So. Could you kind of take me through the whole incident, uh, you know, from when Turjan scored the goal and and what happened after that, from your point of view?
2: Well, we were, you know, obviously we were, the, you know, we were, we we, we we barely got in, right? Yeah. And we get in, and now we put ourselves in a position that we were actually the, you know, we were we were were the good series. Yeah. And, um, you know, we're terge obviously made the. Uh, goal. I was actually going off the ice. I was on the ice originally, but I was actually skating. I wasn't even going to celebrate. Okay. Because I was dog tired. hmm And then you got freaking plus minus Joe Reiki there, who's just a sniveller. He was good jumping on the ice, and all of a sudden you heard a big crash. I turned around and then just saw what, like, what heard the bang, right? hmm and basically raced in like a bull in a china shop, trying to get Mark uh, Hunter. Yeah. Did you
0: never got him though, right?
2: Oh, I, I got a piece of him. Yeah. Right. But missed him, and it turned into a like a five on five or yeah. whatever, four on five. Actually, it was a five on five, and Turge was obviously out, right? Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. So, um, but that kind of as much as that injury hurt the. I, at the time, hurt the team. It actually helped the team.
0: Oh, definitely was something to rally around.
2: It we rallied around it, and then guys like Ray Ferraro, uh, Steve Thomas, and Benoit Hold, um, and David Volek, even you know what I mean. Mm-hmm. They were getting now the item that was all given to Pierre was now getting distributed amongst you know two or three guys, and and I think Ray was probably the one that did the most with it and did very well and, you know, had a great playoff run, right?
1: Mm-hmm,
2: definitely. And, uh, but it was just a big, it was, yeah, that whole thing was, you know, we were doing everything. I think even Mick and I, Mick was we were trying to go through it after the game, was still trying to get out there.
0: Well, that's what I was going to say. While you really didn't get a shot at him on the ice, uh, there was a, uh, a plan uh, between yourself and Mick to maybe yeah. uh, get some retribution in the hallway. Can you talk about that?
2: Well, what Mick and I talked about, I said, "Well, where we planned, like, think we're like we're idiots. I think <laughs> when you think about it, <laughs> like, you're in the NHL and now you're a hitman. It's frontier so justice, like, man. Yeah, we're like, okay, the, we've got to fucking where he by us because he's got. There's only one way out. Yep. We're gonna get him when he walks by. One of us is gonna watch. One's gonna come from the other side of the door. One's gonna confront him in the front, right? Yep." Yeah. Yeah. And we're going to fucking... We're going to two-on-one them. We don't care who's there. Yeah. That was the plan, but obviously it didn't come through, which thank God it didn't.
0: (laughs) I think Al got wind of it and he stopped Mick. I I think that's what Mick tells it. Yeah,
2: with Al, let's stop Mick, yeah.
0: Oh, that would have been unbelievable had that happened, though.
2: Yeah, yeah, so...
0: So you eventually beat Washington, now you move on to Pittsburgh, and probably the thing that I, I would imagine you get asked about the most... Is the Kevin Stevens hit. And I, I think for years, people always say you hit Kevin Stevens. But the reality is, Stevens was actually going in to
2: hit you. And it didn't work out for him. But can you take me through that play? Well, what happened was, you know, obviously, uh, Darius started playing against you know, Mario that whole series, right? Mm-hmm. So Casper and I had got into Mario's kitchen and. Artie obviously being a power forward, and, you know, uh, you know, playing, he plays a, a tough game, right? He's, a, you know, he's, a, he's the epitome of a, a power forward. Mm-hmm. And we were in his kitchen, and a couple shifts before, I wasn't sure whether there was a shift before, within the period anyway, you know, Artie, his nickname's Artie, Kevin, um, Kevin says to me on the draw, he says, it was actually, yeah, he's, I'm not dry, he's like, I'm taking your head off this fucking shift. And I blew him a kiss or whatever I usually do. And so on the icing call on the touch-up icing, I could see him on the corner of my eye. Like, I'm like, him and I were going to be like, if I really raced for the puck, I win the race, right? Yeah. But I'm like, he doesn't look like he's going to stop. <laughs> That's what I, I thought when I was going for the puck. <clears throat> so in my head, so me being proactive, I'm thinking, okay, you know what I'm going to do. I'm going to, like, touch the puck, and if he comes through, I'm going to jump at him in the last second, because he's coming to hit me.
1: Yeah.
2: And that's what I did. Mm-hmm. Like, as much as he went straight up, I actually went out the back door.
1: Yeah.
2: Like, he hit me hard. Like, he, he was a big he was a big rake, rig, right? Yeah, yeah. And, uh, you know, the the whole thing of him being knocked out and then his face is, you know, obviously, Kevin and I became friends after yeah. when we played with the Rangers together. And, mm-hmm. um, but he was actually coming after me, and... He had targeted me, and he won, and You know that hit actually was just one more chink in their arm, a big chink in their armor. Losing him, right?
1: Yeah, definitely.
2: And and, and you know, you got now his, you know, already being a team guy that he is, and a, and he really he is a glue guy on a team, right? Mm-hmm. You lose your one of your big pieces, who's now you're actually you're not even fucking worried about the game. You're worried yeah. about is he going to be okay? Yeah. And, you know, we came behind to tie it, and then we ended up winning it, right? Mm-hmm. So, yeah.
0: What was that like when uh, Volek scores that goal?
2: Relief. <laughs> 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 it was relief. It was like, thank God. And, and you know what? Um, you know, I always talk about Al because like, like cause Al was such a big part of, of, of making me the player that I was. and Just his, you know... When 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 Al did his pregame speeches in the playoff, I don't know if anybody else has talked like this. The guys like Nick, even or it was like your hair would stand up on your back. Yeah. And I remember some guys saying, I think what guys were saying like, <clears throat> this is Al, mm-hmm. like his motivation, his you know like his is how he ramped it up in a room and just built up his voice because you know he's got that voice right yeah and uh you know guys were saying this is the al arbor the, the real al arbor is what they were saying like it was amazing to see his his other level of coaching and and motivation that he had within himself
0: yeah i mean al obviously listen i'm i'm a lifelong fan my wife is the same way we met at the coliseum believe it or not and i always tell people um Especially back in the Kenaiak Park days, you know, a lot of times I would go there. There weren't that many fans there, and Al was always so nice to me. And uh, one day I wasn't, I had my back to the ice, and he was coming off the ice, and he smacked me in the ass with his stick. And he's like, yeah. "Hey, Joe, what's going on?" And I was like, "Holy shit!" Al Arbor remembers my name, and oh it, yeah, it was like the greatest thing. I was like, "Oh my God!" Al fucking Arbor remembers me, and I was like, I, I was like on cloud nine because like he just. Yeah as a fan he was like
2: God and I was like he
0: knows my name
2: yeah he's just he's one of those guys that he's just got a he's he's such a caring guy you know he cares as much as he kind of can beat you up every now and then yeah you just know that he's he's there for you right he's got your back yeah and that's one thing about al is that and I think that's one of the things I can get guarantee you that the respect he had with all his players would—they would probably be saying that—is that you just knew that he had your back no yeah. matter what.
1: Yeah.
2: yeah, and he would fight for you for ice, whether it be with Bill or you know what I mean. And mm-hmm. he was one of those guys. Yeah. So the next couple seasons, uh, '93-'94,
0: he played 28 games. '94-'95, he played 20 games. So yeah, uh, um, well, actually '94-'95 was a lockout season. Um, and uh, that season, in the preseason, you actually had a couple of fights. Mike Bluso, uh Nick Kiprios. Uh, do you remember what you did during the lockout? Uh, drink. <laughs> <laughs> did you stay on the island or did you go home?
2: Uh, I drank with Nick, like, every day. Sounds about right. Sounds we about actually, right. We actually, we skated, like, Mondays, Wednesdays. You know, at like, first it was like, got to stay in shape. Then it was like, well, we got to keep doing this. If we want to get out of the house. <laughs> 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 so we go skate at fucking... All of us would go skate. Then we'd stop at... Jeez, uh, what was that place in there on the east side? Like, was it wasn't pub, but... Um, I can't remember the name of that little pub that we used to stop to. And we'd have lunch and basically get hammered. Yeah. Three yeah. times a week. <laughs> Sounds Pretty about easy. right. You no, know, that's what we did. I'm not yeah. kidding. And then yeah. it was like, fuck the lockout... Then they're cleaning it up. We're like, holy shit, we're in trouble now. We got to get in shape now. <laughs> like, we were still working out and everything, but yeah, yeah. We're, we're drinking also. So, so uh, once you came back, there was a game in Florida.
0: Um, I don't know if you remember this. Tom Fitzgerald actually uh, took a pretty big charge. I think he left his feet and everything. Um, yep. Was that anything personal from when you guys were teammates, or is it just again something during the game? Well, I think his wife had a
2: crush on me, so that didn't help. Right? Oh. Okay. No, I'm kidding. No, No, Fitzy just hit hard. There was nothing there. Fitzy's just one of those guys that plays the game the right way. Hmm. You know, he was just... Fitz was... uh, You know, he just... He loved to hit. He was like me, honestly. A little bit like, you know, a four, but... uh, He looked to get to blindside guys if he could, right? Yeah. And get guys with their head down and... Fucking lay them out. (laughs) And... uh, I think personal.
0: no... Yeah, okay. Uh, Staying with the Florida theme, uh, you also had uh, a fight in Tampa where uh, a two-fight game. First fight, you fought John Tucker, and then uh, you fought Jimmy Cummins later in the game. And and this was one of the fights where uh, I think the visor really helped you. Because from the TV anyway, it looked like Jimmy landed a few good shots that might have connected, but if it wasn't for the visor. Do you remember that fight?
2: Yeah, well, I fought Jim. Like, I fought him with the Rangers after two, but... Mm -hmm. Um yeah, like you know, sometimes it's it's so hard like with like it's n- the one thing about wearing the visor is that you you know, out of respect for your the, the guide, you've gotta when you just fight, well you mm-hmm. don't have time to take your helmet off to get into the fight in the heat of the moment, right? Right. But then when you gotta square off, that's even that's when guys get T K O. You yeah. know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So you'd rather like I I'd rather just get into hit and all of a sudden you're fighting, you just go. There's no thinking, right? Right. You know, the thinking gets you into trouble. So, all the time. People, you overthink. And when you overthink, you try and have all these different scenarios that you think it's going to work out. And it never worked out that way anyway.
1: Right, of
0: course.
2: Um, Good advice. Yeah, I mean, I mean, I think everyone
0: probably learns that. I had my own moment like that uh, several years ago. So I think at, at a certain point, we all probably have a situation where uh, we overthink something and then... It doesn't help anyway. Whatever's going to happen is going to happen, whether you you dwell on it or, or whatever. So um, there's no way to plan things. And you know, like I said, it's good that I think, like I said, I think we all problem moments like that where we learn from it, and we can only pass it on to our kids. But they really have to go through it themselves.
2: Yeah, they do. Yeah, yeah. you know, it's it's uh, that's the whole part of 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 life is is your journey that you that you go through kind of makes you what you are and makes you tough or weakens you, whatever you want to call it, right? And yeah. You know, I always try and tell people, it's it, you know, getting a shit kicked out of you and falling down is that's the easy part.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: Or somewhat. Getting up and keep chugging ahead is where <clears throat> resilience comes in, right? Oh, definitely. And that's where, you know, and then I tell my son and I try and pass this on to people is that the only time you're done is when you don't get up. Yeah. So get up and you may not like what you see when you're walking ahead, but sorry, that's sometimes what you need to go through. And, you know, you know, I always believe in, in the higher power that anytime that we try and take things in our own control and, and, and manage it ourselves, we usually do a pretty shitty job of that. You know what I mean? Yeah. Mm-hmm. So the more you can just kind of be positive and, and do the best things you can and and hopefully do the, you know, be a good person and get human and and not try to get too far ahead by putting somebody down to get where you want. Usually, you know what, you'll be fine in life. It's just sometimes, you know, life is meant to give you shit that you don't understand, and somewhere down the road you'll understand why you're going through it.
1: Yeah.
0: So we get to ninety-five, ninety-six, 96, and um, this is the uh, Fuck, beginning. Fuck, I'm
2: getting old as we're talking here, I think.
0: <laughs> Well... Well, speaking of getting old, so this is the beginning of uh, the Mike Milbury era, and uh, I tell everybody, and yeah, so I tell everybody. you got to fucking tell me what Mick said. Did Mick tell the story in Detroit? We discussed that, yes. Uh, Mick Mick took the high road, and Mick had a good tack about Milbury, and uh, I guess he was very mature about it, and he said, you know, I can go on and... And rip the guy and insult him and everything. He goes, but you never know. His, his kids may listen to it or this or that. So he goes, I'm just going to tell you the truth. And Mick basically said, I'm going to tell you stories about the stuff that he did, and it's the truth, and it's not. You know, it's up to you to decide whether you think he's an asshole or not. Basically, and the stuff he said was just mind boggling. And and I've had a lot of guys on here who um, Millberry has affected in one way or the other, and uh, I haven't had had a guy on here, really, that has had too many kind things to say about him, and I am not a fan, I, I say this, and because you and I really have never spoken before, um, and a lot of the other guys I have, so they know how I feel, um, the thing with Milbury, my thing with him is, I thought at the time, I thought at the time he was the right guy for the job, I, I thought he was going to come in, I thought he was going to straighten things out, uh, I, I, I literally had very high hopes, and even uh, you know, I think it was Mick that said it. He, when you first meet the guy and you have that little, had that little thing that he had here on the island where, you know, he's just saying, we're going to do this, we're going to do this. And Mick's like, yeah, I want to run through a wall for this guy. Um, and then as time went on and I saw the way he did things, and again, from an outsider point of view, uh, it kind of run the wrong way. And then I just saw how it seemed like, again, from an outsider point of view, he made a lot of things personal. And I don't think you can really do that when you're running a team, but... That's my thing with him. You can love him, and that's fine. I just, uh, I, he, whenever I get to this season with everybody, there's two questions I always have to ask. And so go ahead. What were your impressions of Mike?
2: Well, I, for me, Mike, um, what's, what's that love-hate relationship you have with somebody? That's yep. how I relationship was with Mike. Mm-hmm. So Mike as much, Mike had, I, 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 the, the things that Mick talked about and all the guys talked about where he got personal with guys, for sure. Mm-hmm. No question. But my relationship with Mike was a very, uh, he had a lot of respect for me. Mm-hmm. And I believe that I respected him for the fact that he, he could have given up, even when he traded me or put me on waivers, mm-hmm. he honestly didn't want to do it. Yeah. It, and he didn't. he It was coming from above him. And, you know, I have some great fucking stories about Mike. Mm -hmm. Like, away from the game and stuff that him and I had talks, you know, about the whole Spano thing and that whole thing where, you know, that whole Spano story where he was trying to block. Because I'm the one that gave Mike the heads up. Yeah. I don't know if you knew that. I think I did hear you mention that on another show. Yeah, like, Mm -hmm. I gave him the heads up on on to be careful with Spano because I'd known a couple of these women that were kind of going to blackmail yeah, yeah. And so then Mike thanked me for that and now you probably don't know the rest of it. So, did Do you know the rest of the story when he called me up and offered me the contract? Yeah, I think
0: he I think you yeah. went through the whole story on another show, yeah. so I think I think, uh, I, think yeah. I do I didn't
2: know it and then I think I recently heard it. Yeah, so then yeah, so that kinda happened with Mike and you know even like Mike was just one of those guys that he just Mike loved Mike. You can even see yeah. him now as the commentary. He, he's a he's a he, he likes to get under people's skin, and he does a good job of it. You know yeah. what I mean? Like, um, yeah. So Mike's one of those guys that obviously he the whole thing is he a great GM? Uh, probably not because of what we just talked. Yeah. Yeah. Too personal. Can't when he gets angry with somebody. You still got to be able to move on, yeah. right? Like mm-hmm. you still got to be able to work with that individual because fucking hockey team, yeah. And Mike couldn't do that, and he would punish, I believe, guys because of that, mm-hmm. right? Yep. Right. So uh, another guy I got to ask you about, uh, especially because you're
0: a, a good Sasky boy. Um, for part of the season, you played with someone who seems to be everybody from Saskatchewan's, if not their favorite player, someone that they really looked up to. What was it like playing with Wendell Clark?
2: Uh, Wendell, well, you know what? Wendell was like awesome because Wendell was a real, he was a cowboy.
1: Yeah.
2: I remember he used to walk around in his cowboy boots and he had that leather jacket with these long frills all over it. <laughs> I especially remember, I don't think, did anybody talk about the time that Milbury, that Milbury called him on? Um I think
0: Mick mentioned it yeah and, yeah. and is that when Bob Sweeney kind of intervened yeah yeah yep. that's the mm-hmm. one,
2: yeah. it's kind of funny but yeah was just yeah he's just a fucking pound for pound like just one of the toughest guys right
0: yeah for sure
2: no fear and just just uh yeah he's just one of those guys that and he's any he, and you know what he's quietly- t- he's quietly, quietly
1: tough yeah mhm
2: he's not a diapper he doesn't say shit but he uh, like he he, you think about all the guys he used to hit, like blinds behind the net. Yeah. Like that became his hit, right? Yeah. So uh, yeah, Wendell was a good guy. Uh, have a lot of respect for Wendell and just just an overall person that yeah. You know, meet up with these guys too. You kind of just leave where you left off. That's a, that's a cool thing.
0: Yeah.
2: You know, you when you you know most guy hockey guys that you played with or something, you start. You know what our sons are playing with each other now, right? Yeah. <laughs> Kinda and I, I I I'm sitting there going, When is Wendell gonna beat the shit out of this coach? <laughs> because the coach in, in, in Hershey is fucking terrible. Who's the coach there now? Like I, uh Carberry his name is. Oh I don't I not But yeah. he's just the way he manages stuff. Like I was four enough with my kid that my kid got to play. Yeah. Because of the injuries. Yeah and did well enough to get in the books, but then, you know, and I don't know if he's, you know, like there's two things to look at. So either he's, you know, he's trying to fast track himself up to the next level, right? Mm -hmm. I don't know how the whole minor league system works, but if I'm Wendell Clark and Ronnie Sutter right now, because both their boys are there. Yeah. They absolutely got sewered for ice time this year and games. Oh, wow. And I could just, like I asked Garrett, what does Colby's dad say? Like what does Wendell say? Yeah. And Garrett doesn't say a word, so that means a, he's probably ready to kick the shit out of Carberry. Because yeah. I, I was a few times, too, in my head because of, I just the way he manages stuff. Like, just catering to, to guys that are not going pro anymore. They're done. They're going to be career minor leaders. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I don't know. Um, yeah. Anyway, that's me fucking bitch-slapping the coach. Bro. Yeah, that's okay. So <laughs> the,
0: the one thing, there's two things I say about Wendell. Um, mm-hmm. One, the fact that on the back of his hockey card, it says Islanders, even though it wasn't for a whole season. As an Islander fan, just I'm amped up about that because I love it. But the downfall of that is his time with the Islanders, the only jersey he wore was that disgusting fisherman jersey. So as someone who wore the classic jersey and then switched to the fisherman, uh, I, ha- I ask everybody this. What was your opinion on the fisherman jersey? It's
2: called marketing.
0: Not what I asked you. <laughs> it's not I asked you. What was your opinion of it?
2: Fuck. It was terrible. Yeah, it was terrible because you know what? You don't see the Montreal Canadiens co- coming up with a new logo, right? Nope. Or the Maple Leafs, hmm. or the Boston Brooms. and that's why.
1: Yep.
2: That's the only reason for me. You got the the this, this, what do the the sixth uh, 16s is it six original six know. talking about yeah the original six right mm-hmm. yep and you don't see any of that nope. that's why yeah. so I hated it because of that
1: yeah
2: well and, yeah n- oh no go uh, ahead I'm sorry yeah no just because it was just why would you mess with that kind of that thing is sacred yeah that logo.
1: Mm-hmm. right yeah oh yeah
2: and it said uh, that to me was like when you when you're you know, and this is, obviously, I know, obviously, your ownerships and everything else, but, fuck, at the end of the day, man, like, that's, how many cups of the, what's the total cup the albums ever won? Four. Four Stanley Cups with that logo. Yep. Yep. And why would you even think of, like, changing it?
0: And you're, you're, you're in, uh, Saskatchewan now, so you probably have no idea. They are pushing that logo now on merchandise and everything, and... People, I, I think uh, a lot of the fans that, that are uh, like Brooklyn, I think they tried to push it a lot. And I think a lot of the younger fans that didn't live through it, uh, they're eating it up. And like for an old fart like me... It, it, it's like, going to come back? They're
2: bringing that
0: jersey back? I don't think so. I think they're just pushing it. I don't know if they went to the old warehouse and found some disgusting old merchandise, but yeah. uh, I, I hope they don't bring it back. I, I think there's enough, enough people like they post about it on twitter a lot and you always get a lot of the young fans that are like oh i love it i love it and then you get you know like old cranky men like me that go just put that thing in mothballs and leave it like i think you know it just um for someone like myself who lived through it it's just it's just bad memories and um you know i understand listen i understand teams have to make money and especially now with uh, with the virus and everything everyone's uh, looking to make money but um uh, yeah, it, to me, a... w- when I see it, it just is like, like why you have you have a classic. Of...
2: I you see that logo. That's all you see. You yeah, see the, the real logo, right? Yeah. You don't see like the Rangers too, right? You mm-hmm. see that. Logo. Yep. Yeah, and tonight, real. Toronto,
0: Detroit, Chicago, right? Yep. You don't. Right, and tonight before I uh, before we spoke, I put on Twitter that I was looking forward to speaking to you, and the picture I used was a post fight picture, and it was it was picture. Uh, with uh, the wave style, but with the old logo, and I don't mind when they when they went to that as a third jersey with the uh, the new style, but with the classic logo and the lighthouse on the on the yep, shoulders. Yep. I thought yep. that was fine. I had no issue with that at all. Um, yeah. And uh, I, I was, I mean, I was. I never forget Steve Webb uh, skating the center ice and ripping off the uh, fisherman
2: jersey. That we didn't have to see it again. So, uh, <laughs> so that,
0: that was always a highlight for me. But uh, but yeah.
2: <laughs> But the, when we went to the garden or every even on the island, they'd like some of the people would throw fish sticks. Yeah, yeah. Frozen so fish sticks guy. Captain. That, whatever his name is. Captain. Uh, High-line? Highliner. Highliner. Captain Highliner. Highliner. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> they would throw the fish sticks on the ice.
0: <laughs> yep. So this season you had a wrist injury, and when you came back, there were guys uh, that wanted to fight you, but you couldn't fight. Guys like Bill Guerin, Eric Lindros, Sean Antosky, uh They dropped the gloves with you. They wanted to fight you. But you couldn't fight with the wrist injury. Um, how difficult was that not being able to fight those guys?
2: Well, it's just frustrating when you're, you know, like like I said, when you're playing the game within a game, and you know, being able to to, to, you know, whatever, answer the bell if you have to. But now when you you know you can't, you're not allowed to fight. It just it got frustrating because you obviously want to I want to punish with some of these guys, right? Yeah. Especially guys like Garen, who doesn't usually call me on. You know Mm -hmm. what I mean? Yeah. So he's a guy that would never call anybody. Like, he wasn't a fighter. Mm
1: -hmm.
2: But now he's calling me on, like, really, really? Like, you know? So that's frustrating part when you, you know, because the game within the game, you can't play that. Not the fun part. The game within the game is fun, Mm -hmm. right? And that's the part now that just kind of you can't play it the way you want, I guess, or script it the way you want. So that's very frustrating
0: when you were able to fight, I guess when your your wrist was healed enough, the first fight you had was with uh Jamie Huscroft. Um do you remember that fight and how good did it feel to actually be able to drop the gloves again?
2: Yeah, it was good Jamie was kind of a he was another guy with more of a grappler, right? Yeah. Yeah, you know and like I don't he didn't how many games did he end up in the league? Did
0: he play quite a few games? Amount of games actually, but I think more than he you did. think because he, you know, he yeah. started with Jersey, played in Boston, played in Calgary, played in Tampa. Yeah. Uh, I think he actually got some games with Capitals. So
2: yeah, he was around then. Yeah, yeah James, he was he was he was a competitor, right? Yep. He wasn't ready to drop him, and yeah, but he was he was just good to be able to. And then you know you know the wrist losing the mobility that I lost with the wrist. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? That was a little bit tough, right? Yeah. You know, and uh, just with the injury that, you know, it seems like the injuries that I have were never just like a fucking injury. It was always like, this usually doesn't happen like this. Yeah. <laughs> you know, like a, a lunate fracture, which would be, what's the big deal with that little bone breaking? Well, fuck, if that bone basically caves in, your whole wrist caves.
1: Yeah.
2: Which is unbelievable. It's not just a break anymore, right? Yeah,
0: yeah. It's destruction.
2: It's destruction. Like if it doesn't, no different than my eye. It was not just an eye or a cut. It was like, well, you've lost vision now, right? So, and I, you know, yeah, I sit there and I go, Jesus Christ for it. But I played the game, I guess, the way I did and, um, you know, tried to leave as much as I could on the ice and, and not save anything because I couldn't. Yeah. Whether it be proud or not, that was the style that that was the only way I survived, right? Mm-hmm.
0: Speaking of practice, I believe this is the season that you and Jamie McLennan almost got into a fight in practice. Do you remember that? Yeah, when Jamie was pissed
2: off that I touched his pads a couple games before. Is that right? Yeah, that's what he <laughs> was about. First of all, he's noodles. They call him noodles for a reason because he's, he's just not, he's just okay. That's all I'm going to say. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> but I... But Jamie was a fucking head case. Yeah. Like, he's a goalie, man. He's a mm-hmm. prototypical goalie. like Smitty. Yeah. You know, and uh, I touched his pads purposely to bug him, and mm-hmm. it worked.
0: <laughs> Jeez. I mean, that's not a good matchup for him.
2: No. Like, Jamie wasn't going to fight me. Jesus, yeah. he couldn't fight his way out of the paper bag, this poor guy. <laughs> good guy, though. Yeah, yeah. He's a funny He is a good guy. Yeah. Yeah. He's like Smitty. I love the Smitty stories. Smitty had the best stories. Oh my God, he's—I uh, mean, well. Have you ever, have you ever had him
0: on? No, I—I I don't think any of those Stanley Cup guys are going to come on with a ham and egg like me. I got to be honest with you. No, you don't
2: think so. I Why don't think
0: maybe. I—I if—if you... I, I, if, I, if I had as far as I'm concerned, there there are four or five guys from that era I'd love to have on. I think if one guy would would give me the time of day, I would say it'd probably be Bobby Nystrom. Maybe. Maybe Howie, but uh, I, I can't see Billy giving me the time of day.
2: Oh, Billy would love it. I uh, think Billy would do it. Yeah? Yeah, I think he actually would, because Smitty's kind of... Uh, he changed after he stopped being a gold. Like, he wasn't... You know what I mean?
0: Yeah, I don't... You know, like, my my goal is to eventually reach out to those guys. Yeah. Um, but I, don't, I
2: don't talk to Smitty. I don't yeah. talk to... Somebody, Brian I talk to. Yeah. Was, Nystrom
0: would just do it because he's a good guy. Clark, yeah, well, well, Clark, kind of busy all the time. And... Yeah, like, I would say if I could, you know, like, obviously, Nystrom, Gillies, Howitt, those would be the top yeah. three guys. And yeah. Bob is just such a, like, a prince of a guy. Like, I'm sure, I'm you know, I'm, I don't want to say I'm sure he would do it, but I think out of the three of them, or four of them, if you include Billy, I would say i probably have a, the best chance with Bobby. Uh, and then maybe Gary, but I think he's in Arizona. I, he seems to have disappeared a little bit. Yeah, they... Well, like, Smitty, did, did
2: anybody tell you any Smitty stories?
0: No, because, you know what, I haven't really had anyone on the show that really played with him. Like, you know, like, you went to camp, he was there, and, and Mick went to camp. Yeah. Uh, so no one really played with him, but feel free, man. I, I. Well,
2: Smitty had one of the one of the best stories ever that he told, uh, or told us, I guess, mm-hmm. was when... Uh, him and Al, like, like Smitty was like he was a he was a fat goalie, right? Yeah, <laughs> play like he was fat. Yeah, but, like when playoffs came around and money was on the line, he had another level. He was well. First of all, he, was, he there wasn't anybody with any as you know him and Hex doll. I don't know who else would be in that boat. there whereas, would there any two other goalies be in that dirty? Um, would there be anybody else like Smitty? Garth was Hextall, up there.
0: Uh, who? Garth Snow. He could play that way. Really? Well, he's not in their their level. Don't get me wrong. Those guys are your your upper echelon guys. But Garth had an edge to him.
2: Because, like, Smitty, I remember him telling us a story. First of all, he he wore a green beret outfit all the time, right? Did he really? Yeah, he was a green beret all the time. It was unbelievable. Him and his kids were like. (laughs) (laughs) That I didn't know. Yeah, he'd come to the rink and he'd read those war books. That's all he read was war books. No kidding. Didn't like all those army war. I don't know what they were. I wouldn't something I know I would read. But, yeah. Um. I remember him sitting there, and when Smitty would, he was so like he was just freaking funny, man. Yeah, like,
0: yeah.
2: He is so funny, and he's got one liner after one liner, and he just listens to everybody and he soaks it all in, and then he just fires away when he has to at certain guys, when he has to. Yeah, yeah. No, I. But he, I told the, he told a story. I remember, and I this one I always tell the people because. Well there's two of them with me which is Smitty. And I asked him actually at my golf like he came to my golf tournament, right? And out of respect for Billy, I didn't Yeah, I can't even I'm not even gonna say that story because I'll let him tell that story. I don't okay. want to say this. But I'll tell you the story they took did tell me. Okay. Tell us. So there you know, like the whole era when guys are starting to work out and, you know, camps weren't thirty days long anymore, right?
1: Yeah.
2: Um Smitty is like Smitty is telling, uh, telling us that Al comes up to him and whatever the season started, and you know I guess they started off pretty slow. Whatever the team started off slow, he's like Smitty was, you no, know, was playing all right, but he wasn't playing great. But that was just Smitty and we in regular season, right?
1: Mm-hmm.
2: And he goes, uh, Al goes, yes, yeah, Smitty. Uh, you know what? You know times are changing and. No, I think you got to start riding the bike. <laughs> okay. It's <laughs> Smitty when Smitty tells a story. Like I'm, pretty, but Smitty's like, "Oh, he did not know what he was getting himself into." He says. <laughs> he goes the whole time. I'm thinking, I'm not going to win a game for the next couple of weeks. Now, for sure. <laughs> <laughs> That's what Smitty's thinking. Huh. So, so Smitty ends up gets, starts riding the bike, and he plays a game. And he gets pulled. Right, still riding the bike, and he plays a game, and he gets pulled. <laughs> like, he got pulled three games in a row, man. Oh. This is in that in a week. So coming on Monday morning, Al has a meeting with him and brings him in and said, Smitty, what's, that, what's going on? Mm-hmm. And, Al's, and he goes, what do you mean? He goes, well, where's your game gone? He goes, Al, I'm tired. <laughs> 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 and Al's like, you're tired. He goes, well, fuck you He goes, what do you want? He goes, you want a bike ride or you want a goalie? But I can't do both. <laughs> 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 so that was the last time he rode the bike.
0: That's tremendous. I'm surprised it took three times.
2: It, yeah, yeah.
0: That's What's awesome.
2: going on? He goes, I'm tired. <laughs>
0: <laughs> That's tremendous. <clears throat>
1: Funny.
2: So
0: the end of that season, uh, the end of the season, your last fight was against Bill Guerin, and this is actually when you could fight. So um, was this a callback to earlier in the year when he wanted to yeah, fight? It was, you? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Just trying to show him now I can fight.
2: Yeah, yeah, I want to fight him. Yeah, and, and Billy was, yeah, he wasn't Billy. Was, I can't even believe it. He's, is he's he doing pretty good at the GM because that was a callback with me. Yeah, it so, was.
0: Yeah, I think he, Yeah, like we discussed, I don't, I couldn't tell you anything about. I think he's Minnesota, right? I think he's a. Yeah, GM. He in Minnesota. Yeah, I yeah. couldn't tell you anything about Minnesota because I don't. I haven't watched the only game I watched Minnesota is if they played the Islanders yet this year, and I couldn't tell you anything about them. So yeah, you know, I'm assuming he's. I mean, he's a smart guy. He's probably doing okay, but uh,
2: why? Well, I always thought like, somebody told me they didn't think he was smart. That's why I was wondering how did he get to be a GM. If he wasn't smart, and I don't know him at all. Well, I know there are some guys who become GMs. I'm gonna throw somebody under the bus. was actually Keith Kedrick.
0: Oh, well, he was probably well, they're good buddies, I think, so I might have been pulling your leg or whatever, but uh, maybe he was, yeah. But uh, no, I, I think judging from some of the GMs that I'm aware of, you don't have to be a brain surgeon, so who knows, yeah. Uh, we move on to 96 97, and this was the year that you changed your number. Was there any significance to the uh number change?
2: Well it was Joey trying to McMahon just trying to um, and I think you know, just having the high number, Joey was it Joey or was it John Doolin? I think it was John Doolin actually. It was John Doolin. They were just trying to get me to go into lower numbers. Like they liked the 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 D Men to be in lower numbers. Right. Mm-hmm. You know, so the whole part yeah, the whole part was just me having that you know, a number go to number two and I like, you know, superstitious right
1: yeah
2: you know and then then i then here's me not knowing my mom was born in 47 so she thought i wore 47 because that was her year of birth oh no kidding
1: (laughs) you broke her heart
2: broke her heart (laughs) so i go to number two and she's like this whole time she's thinking this is a special (laughs) and and the only reason i wore 47 was back to the um Basically, you know, just uh, uh, you know, you want to just kind of they gave you a number. Well, I'm yeah. just going to keep that number. I'm not going to be feel entitled and ask for my favorite number. Just give me that one. And, and it, you know, after I got the number, I was like, geez, I hope nobody wears that number on the island anymore. But there's been a couple guys that wore it actually since then. So
0: yeah, yeah.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: But no one wore it, no
0: one uh, no one wore it as long as you did though. No, true. Yeah, yeah.
2: very true.
0: Yeah. So, and this season you fought uh, Lindros twice. So you don't necessarily have to talk about the fight specifically, but why if you could talk about the rivalry with him? Like uh, you know, he's a guy that you guys always battled, and and uh, I and when I was doing the research for this. Um, I, I had an interview with him where he called you Pylon, and I don't think that was a. Uh, I don't think that was unintentional. I think he was trying to take a shot at you, but I think it just like you talk about the game within the game and the mind games and everything. Um, I mean, he has to be like your number one guy that you had to enjoy playing against. I mean, obviously it was physical, but you had to love getting in his
2: kitchen and everything like that. Oh yeah, he he he, he was so busy chasing me around around the ice he, he never even thought about playing the game the right way. Yeah. And completely, like, he would. He had no, he was mentally a fucking midget with me. <laughs> he really was. Like, he, he just, for a big guy, he was just, he was just reeled right into, yeah. He was just, you know, him and I had such a rivalry that it's, and you looked forward to him except he had about 40 pounds on me, right? Yeah. Big man. He was, he was a big man and big and, and he wasn't, uh, there was nothing about him that was... Uh, like, he wasn't n Like, I don't even know what kind of guy he is. Like I don't even know if he's a good guy. Like, I've never heard nothing. To, you know, you hear all these stories about different shit about people, whether they're true or not, but like you don't hear a lot of good things coming. You know what I mean? That yeah. kind of um. you know what I mean? I don't know. You know, I hope with guys, when they talk about me, they, I, I, I think that I was never, you know, probably a, to me, if anything. And, that, and then going back to Mike, I think... You know, like I remember Mike telling me one time, if it wouldn't have been um, because I like to run, I like to have my pops, right?
1: Mm-hmm.
2: Um, you know, I wore an A for a few years, but you know, I like Mike said. He goes, he, he goes, Richie, you, you, you would have been a captain of our team.
1: Yeah,
2: you just can't put the C on someone who 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 likes to, you know, because the players know what you're up to, right? Yeah, you tell stories or mm-hmm. whatever. And, you know, so if it wouldn't have been for that, if I would have been, and this is where I try and with my own son and, and is the, the sidetrack that I got caught up into a bit of the lifestyle of being a pro and having things kind of handed, you know, someone handed. And I don't know where it changed, like where that stuff became. Uh, the game was now getting you other things. You know what I mean? Yeah. And and somewhere in there, it, it, things change. I don't know when it happened, but it happened. And because of that, like when I look back, I'm like, Jesus Christ! Can you imagine actually having the being an, an, an alternate captain in the NHL is a big deal. Yeah. Never mind to be now the the captain of a team like that. That just brings you to you know another level of respect, another level of of party something that no one can ever take away from you. Right. You know, and I think for me, some of the things that I regret would be those that I try and pass on to my own son. Is that um, you know choices you make it's life when you don't understand them. Sometimes, like I said before, and now when I look back at some of the decisions that I've made, some poor decisions, um, you know, it still make me a makeup of what I am today. But you know, you, you know, the decisions that I've made were definitely some fucking side trips. Decisions that I that I don't get where it changed. Yeah,
0: yeah. Um, but I think we all learn from stuff, you know, like everything that, that we are. Like you and I right now, we're talking, and, and the people that we are now at this moment, we're, we're the sum of all of our experiences. And, you know, everyone makes mistakes, and everyone does certain things, and, and you either learn from them or you continue down that path. And, you know, I'd like to think that, you know, you may have done some stuff, I may have done some stuff, but we're still here and probably better people for it.
1: Well,
2: for sure, you end up being, yeah, as long as you're, like I said, there's people that are malicious, and there's people that just make mistakes.
1: <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. Right?
2: There's a difference, right? Yeah. You know, some people know what they're doing, some, and, and, and some people just make a dumb choice. <laughs> yeah. So, and I've made a few of those. So.
0: <laughs> well, I'm sure we all have. But now, there was a night um, in Pittsburgh where you made a choice, and that was, uh, what happened the night that you lost it with uh, Mario Lemieux with the stick swinging? <sighs>
2: <laughs> minus four in like uh I think it was like eleven minutes.
0: So frustration.
2: Yeah, it was all frustration. It was like Casper and I were um Jesus. Minus four playing against Francis, Mario and Jaeger. Younger. <laughs> and two of the goals was were my guys. Uh. And so, at the time, you know, they don't have, like, like you know, at first I, I slashed at Mario right on the side of the, the, the arm, and um, then he turned around, cross-checked me, knocked my helmet off, and then I turned into, like, well, I want to get out of this fucking game anyway, so this <laughs> is my way out. Yeah. Kind of went over the, a little bit over the top. a <laughs> uh, little stick swing. What, what, how many games would that be in today's world? Well, today,
0: after they got you out of jail... Um, you probably would have to finish the suspension. I'm actually surprised you only got two games for that because of Mario, you know?
2: Well, yeah, you know what? But, um, yeah, I don't know why. Yeah. I think when I talked to Brian, because Brian Burke was the, the guy at the time. Yeah. I remember when Brian called me, and I said, listen, I said, oh, it was minus four, Brian. I was just frustrated. I didn't, you know, I lost my head for once. That's something I'll never do again, which yeah. I know I wouldn't do, right? Right. But, unless, you know, but no, I wouldn't do that again. But he, you know, and then Mario did what he did. Because I apologize to Mario. Because Mario seemed to always get these uh, freaking, what do you call those big moment goals? Uh, Milestones? Milestones against us.
0: Yeah, I heard they put up a statue, you know, to him in front of their arena.
2: Yeah. You heard about that?
0: Well, I think everyone's heard about that. The statue? the
2: statue? Yeah. With me and, and Norty? Yeah. Is that unfucking believable? <laughs> I just said to somebody, I said, for the rest of my life, I'm going to be, like, I said to this, what it happened, because I didn't know it was happening. Yeah. And I just said, well, I guess I'm above ground for the rest of my life, no matter what.
0: Hey, that's it, man. <laughs>
2: You're everybody.
0: What What's going to happen is you will be forever googled by people who you know 20 50 years from now people are going to be googling you
2: yeah they really will be won't mm-hmm. they
0: yeah absolutely who's the
2: other who's the other two guys in that statue <laughs> <laughs> i'm who? like i remember when bob mckenzie called me i said i think they got the statue facing the wrong way
0: what does that mean
2: well because it would like put us to the front
1: oh <laughs> yeah yeah
2: <laughs> <laughs> right now my ass is showing i got a pretty nice ass mind yeah?
0: Well, I mean, I never looked at you that way, but I'm going to have to Google the statue now when I get off the uh, phone with yeah,
2: you. Yeah, it's fucking funny, because you know, Mary was known for going through, right? Yeah. So the reason they used that that that, that picture or that sculpture
1: mm-hmm.
2: was because that was that was on the front page of Sports Illustrated. Okay. If for that year, in 88, whenever it was, and mm-hmm. then they had a video of it. Oh. Actually, she showed my son. And I showed my son. And my. <laughs> And I'm looking at the video, and I'm like, you know what? I actually had my guy.
0: So it was Nordy's fault.
2: That was Nordy's guy. <laughs> <laughs> and then my guy's over there. Oh, man. And Garrett's like, Garrett goes, Dad, you're like part of the five. Don't you always say you are got to be all accountable? <laughs> That's it, <laughs> <I'm> like, right?
0: <laughs> Absolutely.
2: <laughs> I'm like, I have my guy. <laughs> yeah. My guy's over there. That's Nordy's <laughs> guy.
0: Well, and, and speaking of something that we talked about, the on-ice accountability, I don't know if it was the next game. But at some point that season you fought Dave Roche and uh I'm sure that had something to do with the stick swinging with Mario, no?
2: That's all yeah, that's exactly what it was. Yeah. And I thought like Col Caulfield, where was Caulfield? He wasn't there, I don't think. He was done, eh? Oh yeah, he was
0: done at this point, yeah. Yeah,
2: mm-hmm. he was done because yeah, yeah, that's why I fought him was because of that. Mm-hmm. But I apologized to Mario like when after when I came back. Yes to play again. Yeah. And then he apologized too because he had gotten at the time his frustration was that he had died, got died smoked. With uh, Hodgkins, right? Oh, I got gotcha. you. Mm-hmm. So his frustration, what he did, because for what I did to him, for him to turn around and do what he did to me, yeah, that's not, not on tape. Yeah, I'm like going, holy sh! Like what the f- like seriously? Like, you're fucking you're you're up. My thought was like, it's for nothing for the good you guys. Yeah. What are you What are you doing this to me for? I just gave you a little whack on the side of the arm. Yeah. And he turned around and went to another level, and I just kind of matched it. Yeah. Yeah, right. Mine's on tape. <laughs> <laughs> so, we go into the
0: next season, and, and now, I, I think it was Basil McRae that said this once, talking about the size of the players from when he first came in the league to the size of the players when he got out of the league. And this is the year that uh, Zdeno Chara played uh, a few games for the Islanders. Uh, but there were all other big guys in the team. Strudwick was on the team. He's a big boy. Kenny Belanger. Um, what, I mean, you just... At some point, you had to notice that your teammates were a lot bigger.
2: Actually, you know what? I yeah, I, not really though. Not Chara. Well, Z yeah, because yeah. he was my like, we, we had played with him a little bit. Like him and I were partners at the start there for a bit. Yeah. But Z was, yeah, Z was at a whole nother level. Right. You know what I mean? Yeah. And the, but you know, like Kenny and those guys, I didn't really look at those guys as being big guys, right? Yeah. You know, I look. I think Uwe Krupp, way I played, was a big guy. Yeah. You know what I mean? hmm mm-hmm.
1: um,
2: But, like, those guys, like Kenny and, you know, Adam Creighton was tall and lanky. Yeah. And, you mm-hmm. know, just kind of, uh, was just skinny, right? Yeah, exactly. You no, know, Kenny was more of a, I guess, a heavyweight. Yeah. Like Blonde was a heavyweight, mm-hmm. but, um, yeah, guys were just bigger. And Z was obviously just, a, you know, him and I chat, too, still right now, quite a bit. Oh, is that right? More. Well, because Garrett played against him, right? Oh, Okay. So, so, it's uh, so a little bit about Z. Z, first of all, like, he's the, to me, a, he's going to be, he's so well-respected as a, not only as a hockey player, but just as a person, right? Yeah. Just a good human, and, you know, you know, I look at him even, like, dialing, there's Mike trading him away. Yeah. That was just, that was person. You yep. know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Um, and... So Z used to when he was on it. First of all, I thought him because him and Ziggy were joined at the hip, yeah. and um, Z used to always we'd come over to our place, whatever. When when we had Thanksgiving dinners, and, that, and he used to carry like Garrett and Megan on his shoulders, <laughs> right? Yeah. So then when uh, they came here to Saskatoon here about seven years ago, I would say yeah, Boston played here in preseason. Mm-hmm. So I brought Garrett and Megan down. Garrett was fifteen or six, 15 I think he was, and Megan would have been about 18 my daughter, and. So we all went down there and we got to meet uh, I got to see Z and you know, just you know, at the blades and blah blah yeah. blah, took a picture with the kids and um and then he texts me, he goes, Holy fuck <laughs> Because he, our texts missed each other because he sent it to me. I didn't know he was in the lineup when Gary was playing his exhibition game. Okay. So he sent me a text saying, "Holy fuck, I'm old." And I sent him a text back while the you know was later. Yeah, the, you know the game would have been just starting, and I sent him a text saying, "Fucking don't kill him, whatever you do, <laughs> <laughs> protect him out there." Yeah, yeah. Uh, you know, like because he was playing against Garrett now, and you know, and they would met like prior now, and now he's playing against a kid he used to carry on his shoulders, mm-hmm. right? Yep. But he went over after just being such a you know just a. Fucking good person. He went up, you know, just class act. He went up and and uh, after after the game, he gave Garrett a big hug and uh, yeah, just kind of
1: yeah, kind of cool.
0: This uh, this Hall of Fame. Oh, forget about it. Yeah, I mean the the Chara and Luongo trades are the two that really pissed me off about Mike the most. I mean, there's yeah. so many of them, but uh, Luongo and Chara are the two that I just can't get over.
2: Well. Mike had an itchy. He had an itchy trigger. He had an itchy finger, right? Yeah. Everything was about do it my way. If you don't, I'm you.
0: Yeah.
2: Right. He there was no willing to work with, I guess people. Mm-hmm. Place, right. You yeah. know, and, uh, that was probably Mike's to Mike's, just be being feeling like he's untouchable, right?
0: Yeah. And I I think he had a boy crush on D. Pietro also.
2: Oh yeah, Abelard. Yeah. <laughs> yeah.
0: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> So this season actually was your career high in penalty minutes. You had 291 uh, penalty minutes this year, which is your career high. Uh, and and that is the fourth highest single season total in team history. So uh, so even though you were an older guy at this point, and actually this season, uh, it seemed like more than in the previous years, uh, not so much when you first started, this season you fought a lot of the legitimate more legitimate fighters, it seemed like maybe the, the... Whoa,
2: whoa, whoa, legitimate, what do you mean legitimate?
1: Well,
0: like, in other words, you know what I mean, like, guys who you were busting their balls like a Bobby Smith, they must they must have known you by then, so they weren't coming after you. No, they weren't. So now you're fighting guys like PJ Stock and Sandy McCarthy and uh, Chris Murray, who I, I, re- I obviously knew at the time, but I had forgotten, when he broke your nose, is it true that it really bled for 30 hours straight?
2: Oh, yeah, they couldn't stop the bleeding on
0: it. Did he break it in a particular spot? What was the
2: issue with the bleeding? Well, they couldn't get it to, like, it wouldn't stop bleeding. Like, the thing, I don't know, like, there was a vessel with the whatever, the blood vessel, obviously, but it they, they were trying to, they couldn't get it pinched off. Yeah. They were trying to leave it going on its own, and it wouldn't, yeah, it wouldn't stop. Wow,
0: that's yeah. intense. Yeah. Yeah. Do you um, remember the fight you had with Sandy McCarthy? That game was a pretty wild game. There were a ton of fights in that game, and you ended up with fighting the toughest guy on their team. Do you remember that one?
2: Yeah, I do, yeah. That was all. That was when he was a camper, right? Yep.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: Yeah. That was a carryover from Calgary. Go on. Because what happened in Calgary, um, we were playing the Flames, mm-hmm. and Sandy and I were like, like, we had fought once, and we're kind of, like, we knew each other.
1: Yeah.
2: And he was just being, actually, a complete dink out there. hmm And then Theo shot the puck at our bench, slap shot. Oh, shit. And I went after Theo, then Sandy jumped me. hmm And he kind of gave it to me.
1: Yeah.
2: But I but I was, like, wasn't, like, he jumped me, right? Yeah. But then I was trying to get him back when he went to camp. I got you. I got That's you. why I fought him there, yeah. And, um, there's always there's always more to the story.
0: Oh yeah, that's why I ask. That's why I ask. I want to get it straight from the horse's mouth. Yeah. Um, now this season you also fought Kevin Stevens, which I believe was the only time you fought him, and it was obviously the first time since the incident. Um, did you have any idea he wanted to fight, or uh, any is there I any backstory to that? that? Artie,
2: Artie wanted to fight because of you know like just. God, man, like his whole—you know—I mean, already was already have an issue, but yeah, put him into another place too, right?
1: Mm-hmm.
2: You know, the drugs, yeah. and the getting addicted to the to the painkillers and started somewhat of his. You know, I'm not saying this was—I was a starter, but it was I added another layer for him for a reason. You know, because of his memory loss and yeah, frustration of life. I guess maybe you know what I mean. Yep. You know, addicted to painkillers. Now he's doing drugs. Now he's doing whatever, and you know, and 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 Artie was—he's another guy. He's just—he's a good guy. Like you know, he's a good guy when when you have these certain guys, like guys that are always trying to pull you out of trouble,
1: mm-hmm.
2: kind of, or or if you're the guy getting pulled out of trouble a lot, usually you must be a pretty good guy because guys care about you. And right. Artie's one of those guys.
1: Gotcha.
2: Right? There's guys that care about him because of of who he is and not what he's become. Mm -hmm. Uh, You
0: won the Bob Nystrom Award uh, that season. And uh, obviously, Bob Nystrom is a legend on Long Island, Mr. Islander. Uh, How special is it to win an award named after Bob Nystrom?
1: Uh,
2: There's no explanation. There's no real just proud and and privileged, I guess, and um, honored to be able to be put on that plaque with all the other guys that are there mm-hmm. and after especially you know I know you know obviously I know Bob personally and you know l- l- watched him as a as a fan yeah uh, now got to know him as a friend and just yeah he's like you said Mr. Islander and just a freaking all-around good guy you
1: know? awesome um.
2: just a real honor. No, that's great.
0: That, I mean, listen. Obviously, you want the Rocket Richard Trophy, but uh, you know, getting the, your name on the Ice Stream Award is a is a pretty big deal, especially for someone who played the way you did.
2: Yeah. yeah. Thank you. Yeah.
0: So the next season, there's we're going to talk about a few things. Uh, first, uh, you play Gino Ojik, and Gino is a character, uh, <laughs> another chief. Uh, so I'm wondering if you have. Uh, any good Gino stories?
2: Well, there's Gino and Ding. Did anybody talk to you about Ding? No. Well, Ding's his butler. Is so
0: this a Gino real person?
2: Has, yeah, yeah. Yeah, Ding. Yeah, his name's Ding. Okay. So Gino, when he came... So Gino's, first of all, he's, like most guys are really good. You know what I mean? Yeah. I don't think I can really name anybody that I thought was a fucking asshole that I played with mm-hmm. that I would sit here and say, well, that guy, was a real dick. You know, some guys that have their own agendas, whatever, they're trying to make their younger guys or whatever, trying to find their way, but overall, guys were all pretty good, but Gino, you know, coming from, you know, he was a tough guy, you know, had a nose for the net, and comes to Long Island, and he's just fucking almost like he should have been a hippie man. (laughs) You know what I mean? Just fair weather, nothing bothers him, and well, as we get to know G, get to know Gino. Well, he's got this other guy named Ding. I can't remember Ding's first name. I know him as Ding. Came to the, he was Gino. Dr- Gino didn't drive anywhere. Okay. This guy drove Gino. He cooked for Gino. He did everything. He was like the butler, <laughs> all in one. Wow. And he come to all the team events. <laughs> Jeez. And <laughs> I remember we would he would cook this like deer meat, venison, and tea leaves mm-hmm. at Gino's house when Gino would invite us over and. But Gino was a guy that cheated at cards. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he always wanted to cheat and got up under Claude LaPointe. I don't know if you remember Claude. Oh, yeah. Got under Claude's skin, and then Gino would uh, cheat and piss everybody off, and the whole fucking card game would be done because of Gino, and <laughs> he was cheating. And then everybody would tease him about all his kids, because he had like seven or eight of them with six different women.
0: Yep. Oh, yeah, that's pretty well known. So. So
2: we still try and talk about, like, so maybe you know the answer to this, but we figured it out, but maybe you can. What do you call them if they're, like, what do you call the children if they're first cousins and half-brothers?
0: Do they even have a word for that?
2: We did come up with one. What is it? brothers in brothers But, yeah, Gina you know was. He was like super funny because he'd do his, you know, the powwow. Yep. You know, guys don't like their sticks touched, right? Mm-hmm. You know, before games, I could give a shit, but some guys are superstitious about it. And... So Gino would just love flexing guys' sticks. Just drove guys nuts, uh. but <laughs> because guys are afraid of them, yeah. they would just let him flex his stick. So he'd do his little powwow dance, grab the sticks, do a little flex, powwow some more, and What's another stick that's lined up on the wall?
1: <laughs> oh,
0: he's Gino. just a good guy too. Yeah, what a character! And and it's sad yeah. because when you when you eliminate the physical side of the game, and the, it's one thing I've been saying is, you know, you lose character. You lose character guys as, as in terms of guys having character, but you also lose the characters of the game. And I mean, yeah, Gino's a perfect right. example.
2: Well, there's a lot of things in the game. Like, you know, as much as, you know, I came in at the tail end of the money or the early side of the money end, right? Mm-hmm. And then now there's more money there, but there's more money for the top guys and less for the guys at the bottom, right? Yep. Or at the, in the middle even, there's just, a, there's a real separation now. Like, you know, probably a quarter to a 30 your salary cap goes to your top guys, right? Yeah. And the game itself now because of this is, because of the money, no one lives together anymore. No one has... You know what I mean? Yeah. Everybody goes their separate ways. No, everybody... Now what they try and do as team, and we're even doing it at the SJ level, is just trying to get players to hang out at the rink as much as we can. Yeah. Because, you know, you know at our age here, they're 19, and they're chasing, you know, they're obviously women and, and, and a couple cocktails is still what they're chasing, but, you know, it's, uh, it's a whole different ball game. The stories of the NHL... There's not going to be a lot of the stories, I guess, that guys used to have, even like you knew in the era before we came in, right? Right, right.
0: So, uh, Bill Stewart was the coach this year. Was was Bill a good coach for you, or not so much?
2: Uh, you know what? Bill was no, he was. I don't think he was a good coach because not. I shouldn't say he's not a good coach. Right. He wasn't good for the situation that he was thrown into. Mm-hmm. And what? The Bill, the mistake that Bill made was that he went from an assistant to a head, and forgot what it was like. That changeover, he changed the hat was too big of a change. I gotcha. You. you know, instead of just being who he was, and and he just thought he had to be something else. Understood. And I think, that, and I think that's what hurt Bill, right? Yeah. So, wanted you now he became an asshole actually instead of being a good guy. It. So, so, but, yeah. Um,
0: I I have it on video. Uh, Scott LaChance refers to you as Sinbad, and Ted Donato calls you Rodman. Uh, do you want to tell the people what they're referring to for this season?
2: <laughs> <laughs> you already know. I know. Okay. Well, here's what happened. Well, first of all, I got a nipple ring.
0: Okay. Well, that I didn't know.
2: Oh, he didn't know that. I thought it was just for the hair.
0: <laughs> 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 that I didn't know. I thought it was just for the hair.
2: Oh, the hair. That, it was that too, actually. But I forgot about that. <laughs> <laughs> you're going. You want to. You want to go. You're going to want to know the rest of that story now, right?
0: Well, I don't think we have a choice.
2: Well, what happened was, well, long story short. Anyway, I ended up getting this damn thing mm. and I'm like I know I can't say why did, I did and okay. then I'm like holy shit I'm like I got my nipple pierced I could be the only guy in hockey that has a nipple pierced <laughs> but part of my personality a little bit of that Rodman kind of rebel you know what I mean mm-hmm. not fearful and a little bit kind of always pushing the edge right yep. so I get this damn thing and Rick Bonus is a coach at this time um Milbury's the gm still and the blonde hair was just fucking change i don't know just something to be different and i like being different i guess you know what i mean yeah and the nipple thing was just stupidity <laughs> was, but again the whole so, so this so I have this thing, and, and Richie, our, our trainer, who's now with Poor Good Guy, but you know he was the pipeline. They all are to the <laughs> coaches, right? Yeah. And I remember telling Richie, I'm like, listen, I said, you know what? You can tell them whether I smell like booze. You can tell them all this other shit, but I said, if they find out about this nipple ring <laughs> from you, I'm going to put you in the hospital. <laughs> so I said, I don't give a shit. This is just i keeping in in that room. That's it. Mm-hmm. So I used to have to take this damn thing up for practice and do all this other bullshit for it to get ready for a practice to keep this damn thing in, right? Mm. And you know, months go on and I'm now fucking <laughs> getting used to it. We there's a, there's a meeting. Fleming's the coach, Wayne Fleming's there, Lauren Henning's there, Kenny Morrow had been transitioned, he was a coach, but you know, and then there's Rick Bonus is the head coach. The guys are yelling at me. I'm going to get my thing taped up before practice. Nobody knows I have it yet, except the players. Right. And I come running out of the room because I'm going to be late for the Bones is running. Meaning I sit down on my stall with no shirt. Okay. And we were on an eight or nine game losing streak. Because Mick sat across from me, right? Mm-hmm. Mick was always across, like straight across, and he sat beside Stumpy, and, and then... Bones starts circling around, and he's fucking chewing us. Everybody out about we're not like we're the reason we're losing. We're not scoring. Well, that's not my department. And, you know, when the coach is talking, I just kind of stare at the coach, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, at the coach's head, forehead, or or place behind him. He doesn't yeah. even looks like I'm staring at him, but I'm actually not, right? Mm-hmm. And Bones keeps like staring at me, like he's actually staring at me. Like, what the fuck are you looking at me for? I I don't score goals, right? And I and I sit back and like I was kind of have my knees on my on my my elbows on my knees, you know, like kind of forward. And I yeah. sit back in my stall mm-hmm. and feel my ring move. Mm-hmm. I'm like, oh my god! <laughs> <laughs> and I look over at the wall, and Henning and Flemmer and they're all shimmying every time Bones turns. Mm -hmm. they're shimmying along the wall because they're trying to get a look at my fucking (laughs) so oh this is unbelievable so then bold finishes meeting I threw his fucking meeting off I wrecked his whole (laughs) because he's rattled right yeah well who wouldn't be of course so he comes over to me and he goes he's like chief what the fuck is that I go, Bones, it's a pierced nipple. <laughs> and he goes, I fucking know. So we're having a covered He goes, I know it's a fucking pierced nipple. I fucking see it. It's a fucking pierced nipple. He goes, what the fuck is going on? like, why do you have it? And I'm like, first thing kind of my mouth, I'm like, hey, I lost the bet. Okay. He goes, what? But I didn't really lose it. Right. I that was a lie, but right. he goes... You lost a bet. I said, yeah, I lost a fucking bet. And he turns and he walks away. Then he walks back to me and he goes, he looks around the room and he goes, you see, guys, that's why I fucking love this guy. He is not afraid. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) That
0: was quick thinking on your part, man.
2: Yeah, I'm right on a, I'm a quick thinker. Holy (laughs) shit. (laughs) Fuck. Nice anyways, going. And I kept it on for about another couple weeks, maybe maybe a month even. Anyway, I played in Toronto. Stumpy got moved to Toronto, yeah. right? He, he actually, Stumpy was in Toronto now.
1: Mm.
2: He didn't know about it. Sorry, he wasn't Stumpy was there. It was Mick? because uh, my cuff was there on that side. And, and Stumpy, we're in Toronto, and Stumpy's like, on do fuck Rich. I heard you got a piss nipple. I'm like, No. <laughs> He goes, yeah, it's going around the lead that you might be like you might swing both ways. (laughs) Fuck. Right after the game I fucking pulled the nipple thing out and threw it away. That was it. (laughs) That was it.
0: (laughs) Oh my and just think, I brought this up because I thought it was just about your hair.
2: It was the hair and that. There's two things. That's why. Sweet. (laughs) Yeah, that's why.
0: Oh my goodness. So
2: Uh, everybody knows now. That's it. Now everybody knows. Yeah, everybody knows now. The cat is out of the the bag. So here's
0: something you may not know, or you may know, but people may not know. In the 1999-2000 season, you did not have a single fight. Did you know that? Uh, no, I didn't. Yeah, so when you, you started with the Islanders. So let's talk about that. So you start with the Islanders, you play nine games, and now all of a sudden you're getting put on a waiver. So how did that whole process I go?
2: Hurt. I got hurt, right? Okay. I pulled my groin, Mm -hmm. and um, I pulled my groin, and then uh, you know what? That's when kind of things started were going not good for me. You know what I mean? Yep. And I was in hockey was not the first choice anymore, and and, you know I just needed, you know, making money, and kind of just got was on a one way right all. I was on a two-way for 10 years, right? Mm-hmm. All of a sudden, now I'm on a one-way, you know? Um, and I think just life of comfortability and feeling a little bit invincible and able to do what you want and be okay with it. And not, so There's a part of leadership that that I lacked at that moment in my time, I guess,
1: mm-hmm. right? And
2: um, Getting put on waivers and going to the Rangers, obviously, that was just, oh, my God. <laughs> That was something when I got that call. I knew I was going there because a the guy by the name of Charles Polk, and I don't know if you know that name at all, but mm-hmm. uh, Charles was a workout guru out of uh, Colorado Springs that kind of extended my career mm-hmm. when Brad Pittman, who passed away, and uh, called me up and he said, how's your groin? I said, well, I'm good to play. Everything's fine. He said, I'm just, I'm, I'm heavy, though, right now, right? And he goes. Well, he goes. Okay, I just want to make sure because he goes. I'm A big friend of Neil's. So he goes. It looks like you got about five teams. Like five teams that dropped on me. But the I think it was the the lowest seed team got you right. Yep. That, that's what it was. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So five teams had were going to take me on waivers. Yep. And it was the Rangers that were the lowest seed. However, yeah. So. Yeah.
0: What was that like? What your your well? First of all, what was it like leaving the only organization you'd ever known, the only professional uh, organization?
2: I was disappointed in myself at the time. I remember, yeah, justifying why it happened, like you know, justifying the reason. Oh, it's time to go. It's you know, you need a change. But really, if I if it wouldn't have been for all the my extracurricular, mm-hmm. right? Um, I probably would have never got traded from the island. I probably could have been a Islander lifer. Gotcha, and that's on me though. Mm-hmm. And you know, you, you. But again, things happen the way they're supposed to. I guess somewhat yeah. right. And uh, going to the Rangers and then St. Louis just kind of was. It wasn't. I had one good year with the Rangers, or actually, I played both two years with the Rangers.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: But then when I went to St. Louis. I was now the train had come off the tracks. I always, I always think of that fucking, that crazy train video of me.
0: Yeah. Mm-hmm.
2: It's actually me.
0: So it's appropriate.
2: It's fucking appropriate uh, how things went for me at the end of my career, right there. Yeah. That's you know as much as it's part of 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 me hitting and the great song and a great tribute, I guess. No,
1: mm-hmm.
2: but it's actually fucking that's what happened. Yeah. That's what happened to me. I I fell right off the rails and fucking dinged over. And before you know it, you're fucking and you're you're doing. You know, I'm openly about my my alcohol and and you know I got in I got into coke. I never tried a drug till I was fucking 33 or 32 years old.
1: Wow.
2: You know I'm my, yeah. my always alcohol also. I tried coke and holy shit. Yeah. And you know it's something you, you know I'm sure people that have it. It's like. Some people can do it, and some people can't. I'm one of them that can't, so, um, yeah, it kind of sucks. But, in that kind of, you know, the Rangers, it was, yeah. Well, we can talk about the Rangers if you want, or I don't know if you want to talk about them at all, but. Yeah, no, I,
0: I, I, I um, my first question would be, what was it like putting on that Ranger jersey for the first time? Sickening, actually,
2: at the time. <laughs> Honestly, I remember in being in, uh, because I drove up to play. we played. My first game was against the Devils.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: And Dale Puritan, you really know that name. Oh, yeah. So Diesel's there. He hasn't played an NHL game yet. He, up. he thinks he's playing. All mm-hmm. of a sudden, I get picked up on waivers, whatever. Nobody really knows yet, right? Yeah. All of a sudden, they sent a car for me to pick me up. I'm playing that night. Right. Well, Diesel's now not playing, so he's pissed off. So I'm looking at this guy that's big and on steroids. And unstable. <laughs> Unstable. Yeah. <laughs> and he's got his name tattooed on his back. I used to tease him all. And I get along with Diesel like really good. Yeah. So I always tease him like, well, look, you are stupid. So you get to fucking, you got to tattoo your name on your back so you don't forget it.
0: <laughs> <laughs> you know who has that too? I think it was uh it was a Tacoma, Kelowna rocket thing. I think uh Fedorik has that too. He's not the smartest guy. He he <laughs> I don't
2: know, but I've heard that.
0: I only, I, I only passing it, I speak to him. He was always a nice guy, but I don't, I don't know how smart he is, but, uh, you know, it's I know, be, uh,
2: you want to be the nice guy though. Yeah. Nice. Oh yeah. But you think it's gotta be kind of tough, like putting your, like, I think getting your nipple pierced way better.
0: I, I gotta be honest with you, if I had to pick between the two, I'm going with the name on my back. <laughs> so I'm going, I, I got, I'll, I'll do you one better. If I had to pick between getting my nipple pierced and a tattoo, I'd put Purinton's name on my back. <laughs> How's that? <laughs> That's
1: good. <laughs> good.
2: I'm just doing this uh, thing right now with Deedle and the fucking hilarious action fucking messenger. It's fucking a lot.
0: Oh, So what was it like? Um, so now you walk you walk in the locker room,
2: and is the first conversation you ever had with Kevin Stevens? Yeah, like I get... I'm, we're we're playing the Devils that night, and I get brought in, and Theo's. It, it was honestly a whole different beast
1: compared yeah. to the Islanders. Mm-hmm.
2: I have funny stories with them that it's really funny. Actually, back to my somewhat, you know, you can what that saying, you can pull the country out of the. You can you take can the boy the out of the
0: country, but you can't take the country out of the boy. Yeah,
2: that's 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 still me in a nutshell. As much as that, you know what I mean. mhm because with the Rangers, you you know, the when I, when I first I get there, I got to play this game. I'm like, oh, my God. I put the jersey on. I take a picture. That's the first thing people ask me. Like, I'm like, wow. I'm excited. I'm a Ranger, but I'm sad that I'm not an Islander, right? Right. You know, but I'm trying to put the, the face on that everything's fine when really it wasn't. I was like, oh, my God. What I'm mad at myself is what I was because yeah. Mike told me, right? Mike said, Rich, you know, we just... <clears throat> giving you the money we're giving you and you doing what you're doing. you do
1: right. right
2: so that was all on me and then uh obviously getting to the Rangers. was but once I was there it was actually I wouldn't want to start with the Rangers. yeah because you're it's all downhill after
0: <clears that. throat> yeah no i'm I'm sure it is yeah
2: oh it was unbelievable like yeah. the way they treat you like yeah. it's not even it's crazy yep it's absolutely it's not even believable how well they treat you. So it it amazes me how you can get treated that good and still take advantage of everything.
1: Yep.
2: You know what I mean? Yeah, absolutely. Because, like with the Islanders, we we got treated at the minimal. We weren't treated bad.
1: Yeah.
2: But we were treated okay, like good, right? You go to the Rangers, you're like, it's a whole other level It's not even believable. Everything. Food Mm -hmm. and Everything. It's just at a whole like high end and, and they just wanna make everything perfect for you. Yeah. And it's crazy that when players that get there they just can't play in front of that crowd. Because that crowd loves you and hates you from shift to shift. Yep. You mm-hmm. know, not the tough that's the pressure they have when they sign these big signings.
0: When when you went to training camp the following season, so that's your first so you're the the ninety nine two thousand season is your first time with them but now 2000 2001 now you're going to training camp with them and it's your first training camp that you're not an islander so was that a little different too
2: well they booed me like every time i touched the puck that whole year yeah (laughs) that was one thing so i knew i wasn't i was still an islander for pretty much that whole year yeah even though i wasn't wearing i was wearing a ranger jersey yeah every time i touched the puck they booed me it didn't bother me with whatever well they're not
0: they're not too smart anyway, so you have to take it's it from fun. where it's coming from, so they're not the brightest.
2: And then, uh, when I went to my first training camp, it was just, I had a horrible first training camp there. Really? Yeah, because of me and Sather, right? Sather had taken over.
0: Oh, you guys didn't see I die?
2: Well, no, he called me up, like, fuck, July 2nd of that training that year, and basically, um, read me the ride act, that if I wasn't in, by a certain weight, that he was going to say end my career for me. No kidding. Yeah, called me up on July 2nd. And I tell this story to actually quite a few people, which is not unbelievable. And this is where Glenn and I just absolutely, you know, Glenn was, I don't like Glenn. Right. But, I, you know, what I mean, I, I respect Milbury more than Glenn. Wow. Um, Glenn's got too much favoritism.
1: Mm.
2: Mike has no favoritism, really. Yeah, he loves Glenn, himself. Except himself. Yeah. yeah. Uh-huh. <laughs> he loves himself. That's it. But yeah, Glenn called me up and basically read me the Riot Act, and I had to do a fuck, I weighed myself in. It was in, Actually, it's almost like I weighed now. Like, I'm just doing a challenge, but uh, he called me up. And this is how the conversation went. I uh, star 6 9 a number, call it back. It's July 2nd here. July 1st here is a big deal everywhere, right? Yeah. Well, you guys, it's July 4th. Yeah. But... July 1st here, it's like, that's our July 4th, right? Okay, yeah. And, so I was sh- drunk all the heck, it was my hometown, I was fucking buying rounds. Yeah, yeah. Living it up. Mm-hmm. It's fucking summer. I'm working with this guy, Charles Poliquin, who, well, God bless his soul, he passed on now, he, he was very young, but, uh, Charles was my workout guru for about five years from Brad McCrimmon, and, he got me playing at like two, 18 to 20, like 10 percent body
1: fat, wow. right?
2: Yeah. Um, but Glenn wanted me at 20, 206, six, I think it was or something. Is that
1: right? Oh yeah, he called me
2: up. He said if you don't hit 206. So I on the phone call, he calls me. He's like, "This is how it goes." He's like, "Rich," and I'm like, "Yep." Yeah. And I said Glenn, how you-? And I'm fucking getting water, trying to clear my throat, and so I got that raspy voice,
1: right? Yeah.
2: And he goes, well, well, He goes, we got a problem. And I said, oh yeah, what's that? He goes, I think you're fat, and I think you're overpaid. <laughs> well, he doesn't mince words. And I, laughed. yeah. And he goes, oh, so you think it's a joke? I said, no, I don't. But I, like, I don't know what to say. Yeah. He goes, well, there's nothing Tuesday. He goes, if you don't come to camp at two o six, I'm gonna end your career for you. Wow. And I'm like, I, you're like, you're just stunned. Right? Yeah, yeah. I'm stunned. So we get into a pretty heated conversation. I start pushing back, and I basically tell him, I'll make sure I pass my physical, and you'll have to pay me the $2 million in the minors then. Yeah. Or I said, you can do us both a favor, and just trade me now, or try and get rid of me, whatever you want to call it, and we don't have to do any of this. Yeah. Why even go through all this? And he called me basically a smart ass for that, for my comments, right? Mm-hmm. Um... And then we negotiated basically 215. Okay. And if I showed up a cap at 214, he was sending me down to Hartford. <laughs> so if you showed up a pound less, that was yeah, a bad thing. Yeah, that was a bad thing. Yeah. Holy shit. So I go to the gym on July 3rd, <laughs> mm-hmm. weigh myself in, thinking I'm going to be 225
1: mm-hmm.
2: on July 3rd. I was two hundred and forty-six pounds. Oh man, you had your work cut out for you. He was right; I was fat. Yeah, <laughs> but he yeah. didn't even know how fat. And, uh, anyways he he ends up. I wait now. I call. I'm not even worried about Glenn. I'm more worried about my my friend Charles, who's been there for me. Yeah. And he basically sent me some stuff, and by August. He gave me these pills. They're straight up that That's what they probably were. Yeah. Um, I worked out my ass from basically July 3rd to, I think, August 11th around there was. I was down at 2.02. No kidding. And I went to camp at 2.11. It was 2.11. I was almost under 8% body fat. So did you have to eat, like, a,
0: a pasta for a few days to get up to
2: 2.15? No, I didn't have to get 2.15. I had to stay under that, Right.
0: Oh, okay, okay.
2: So I had to be under 215. I couldn't be 214 close to it.
0: I oh, to I, I understand, okay. Yeah,
2: like, he wanted me at, like, 210. Two oh, I thought he
0: wanted you 215 on the nose just to be a pain no, in the I ass. No, I
2: 215. Okay. But don't show up at 214, Richard. I'll fucking say you I, I understand, okay. Okay. So, anyways, he ends up, uh... Shit, ends up... Yeah, it was, like, 211. I was in great shape. We go to the... I'm feeling good. I'm looking good. Not like now. I'm <laughs> um, we go to our first, whatever, our meeting when you get your your pamphlet and everything and your schedule for the for the four or five days, right? And Dave Checkets is the CEO at that time of of the MSG. Yeah. And Dave is up there introducing Glenn because this is Glenn's first year. And everybody's sitting there and he's like, yeah, you know, he all means business, eh, Rich Pilon? Oh, shit. I'm like, are you fucking kidding me? Wow. So Glenn comes up to me after this whole thing where he's picking up our shit and he comes up to me and I go to him. I'm like, shake his hand. He's like, got a fucking cigar in his mouth there. And I'm yeah. like, fuck him, man. I'm like, I didn't know you were this short. I always thought you were bigger. And I walk away. <laughs> 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 fuck you was basically what I wanted to tell him, right? Yeah. That wasn't fuck you. And the next day at camp, all the deer in red and Rich is in yellow. Oh, sh- Just absolutely terrorized
1: me. Yeah.
2: And I basically ran over here and, and they tried to kick me off the ice. And I wouldn't go off the ice. Ronnie Lowe said, Ronnie Lowe's like, get off the ice. I'm, like, I'm not leaving.
1: Yeah.
2: And Ronnie Lowe's like, Rich, you got to go off. Glenn wants you off the ice. I said, for what? For hitting Peter? <laughs> I'm like, he had his fucking head down. Right? Yeah. (laughs) Because he was one of the better players. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And uh, it was like like a classroom getting called in to the principal. That's what happened. So Ronnie and me and Glenn go into the alley during practice. Yeah. And Glenn's like, you're fucking nuts. What the? You're going to... You're trying to... Going on. I said, well, get off. Get this jersey off me. I said, you told me I have to make this team. I'm showing you I want to be here. Yeah. I said, you will not... I'm not changing until... This is training camp, Mm -hmm. and I'm trying to be the hockey team. Of course. And and he said, okay. And Ronnie's like, just put a red jersey on him. Because Ronnie doesn't want to lose me in or anybody. Right. Right. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so then we end up... uh, I don't know what I had for penalty minutes that year because I remember right at the beginning of the year, But um, so I start playing? But I'm not playing. I'm playing like two minutes, like fucking no, no minutes at all. Well,
0: that's what I was gonna ask. You ended up playing 69 games, yeah, and you had 175 penalty minutes. And I guess, I guess it, this might answer my question. You had a preseason fight against Jean-Luc Grandpierre of Columbus, and you did really well in it. Was were you did you see Sather in it? when you looked at John Luke's face, did you see
2: Glenn Sather? Oh, I was fucking angry because I wasn't playing man.
0: Yeah. I was so pissed. Yeah.
2: And then what happened was I'm like, fuck this and I became friends with all the refs, right? And I always tell my son that. Yeah. You gotta become very good with the refs, right?
1: Mm-hmm.
2: And so they protect you, even the linesmen, they protected me at times but I mean they would jump in early at some of these guys. Yeah. You know what I mean? Mhm. Out of respect, they would watch your back. If they didn't like somebody, they they don't protect you. Yeah. You don't have to go in there. Mm-hmm. And um, freaking, uh, um, I t- I remember like Koharski and Magoo and the guys, I'm like, listen, just give me 10. And, yeah. And, and, my, and Magoo would be like, for what? I'm like, just give me fucking 10. I said, I, I don't want to go sit in that bench anymore. I'm <laughs> like, just get my PIMS up and put me over here. And he'd give me an unsportsmanlike 10. Nice. Nice. <laughs> Very nice. The other side, I'd rather watch for the penalty box. Yeah, uh,
0: I'm playing anyway. Oh, uh,
2: yeah, that's what happened. That's, that's when,
0: uh, uh, that sounds really shitty. I'm sorry to hear that. <laughs>
2: <laughs> yeah, uh, but then it all turned around, and whatever it was, like for we were on a losing streak, and I was like, keep losing, guys, because I'm not playing anyway. So yeah. And all of a sudden, one day, like you know, fucking Ronnie Low comes up to me he's like, uh, "You're playing with Leechy tonight." The game. I'm like, what do you mean playing with lychee? Yeah. He goes, You're gonna play, we're going to try you with, with Brian. I'm like, so I'm going to go from like <laughs> five minutes a game to one. Yeah. And to like 20-some. 20, 20 he goes, well, whatever, lychee's playing. I said, well, I can't play that fucking much. I haven't played that much all year. Yeah, really. I'm like, you guys better get the Pedialyte already. <laughs> and I was joking, but they actually went and got the Pedialyte. I needed the Pedialyte. Yeah, I bet. For the first like couple weeks, because I was I hadn't played that much, right, in a of yeah. time, right. Yeah. And then Leachy and I just hit it off. Yeah. We had a chemistry, and off we went. And well, then, he played so
0: many years with Buka Boom, so uh, you know, I think uh, I think it was yeah. probably a similar role. To you were the yeah. Buka Boom now. Uh, yeah.
2: Yeah, him, with so. Buka Boom, yeah. Yeah, that's exactly what I was. Yeah.
0: yeah. Um yeah. There's two fights I want to ask you about from this season. One. You fought an old teammate, a guy who I I hope you love him too. Uh, Robbie DeMaio was with Carolina this season. Do you remember fighting Robbie?
2: Yeah, yeah, I did. We had a good fight actually. Yeah, we actually had a really good fight. Robbie and I just fought the fight, and we just yeah. laughed about it after.
0: Good, good. I'm. I'm there glad. was no
2: like, wasn't. It was just a fucking vicious fight.
0: Uh, this may have been the opposite, though. Uh, you fought a guy who I think he's sort of underrated. Dirty every time I. See this guy. He's, I, I think he's kind of dirty. Uh, uh you went after him. Did
2: he yeah. do something to you? Did he give you a concussion? Yeah, he did. Yeah. He did. Okay.
0: Is was this uh, retribution this for best.
2: that? Yeah, yep, that was. Yeah. Okay. Anybody that got me, I was getting back
0: pretty much. Good.
2: I love. Yeah. It. I, listen, I'm a big proponent of
0: frontier justice. I love it.
2: Yeah. Yeah. Pretty much anybody that that took liberties at me, I would try and get back worse.
0: Um, At the end of the season, you were traded to the Sharks with Adam Graves, but you were becoming a free agent, correct? Yeah, yeah. So that was just like on paper, I guess, right?
2: That was a paper deal, yeah. Mm -hmm.
0: And then what led you to sign with St. Louis? uh, How many teams were interested?
2: I could have went... You know what, I had quite a few teams. I had St. Louis, I had... Florida, the Sharks were kind of in there a little bit, right? Mm-hmm. Um, Edmonton. I had about six teams I could have chose from. Yeah. And I chose St. Louis. It took a little bit less to go to St. Louis, actually. Okay. And I thought just from um, looking at the team, and I think you're looking at opportunity to win a cup, right? Yeah. Yeah. And that was it there at the time because there was you know Dougie Waite was there, Kachuk was there, Pronger, mm-hmm. you know what I mean? Yep. There was a lot. McKinnis. I'm like, fuck. This is where I want to go. Like, this has got to be a a way to win a cop, mm-hmm. <laughs> right? Yeah. not, I went there.
0: And um, you played eight games. You had your final fight of your NHL career. Do you remember the fight you have
2: with Kelly Buckberger? Yep. Yeah, it was a good fight, actually. Yeah. Kelly and I had a good... He was a scrapper guy. He was, he was another... He like Kelly's like me, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. He's exactly like me. So it was us. Yeah, we had a really good fight. And, and that was it. Yeah,
0: that was it. That was your last that one, happened. and then you ended up breaking your wrist against yeah. who else but the Rangers. Um, was that it? Did you know that was it
2: at the time, or...? Well, no, because I... You know what? Like, here's what happened. I end up breaking my wrist... And the first, so the break that I had again can't be just a fucking break. It's got to be something else plus something else, right? Right. Mm-hmm. It was the same wrist of my lunate fracture. Oh okay. Except I broke you know the the top uh, your you have your ulna and your radius on your wrist. Yeah. Anyway, do you know that part that sticks out on the outside, like that little bone? Yes. Mm-hmm. That that was broken there. A little, that was broken there too, and. So when they did the third time, you know, your your bone, when you turn, those bones turn and they, they turn in your wrist. Mm-hmm. So I got really bad tendonitis. I couldn't, like I had no strength. So then they went and they redid the, then they, I went back in and got the wrist redone in New York with Dr. Malone. Okay. We did my lunate. Mm-hmm. And he basically, what he did was he removed the connection of my, though so I have a floating ulna, it's called. Okay. It doesn't hit anymore. Get rid of the, the twisting that was causing the tendonitis. Mm. And when I came back from that, and this is where the my addictions part took over. Okay. I pulled myself away from the team with the Blues mm-hmm. and just kind of went into a bad place. Okay. And no one knew this, but I, but, uh, my wife Jackie at the time, Jackie, she ended up calling in the NHLPA hmm. because I was getting bad, and she you I know, was spiraling downhill fast. Right. Th-
0: this was your rock bottom.
2: This was my rock bottom. This was well, no, this wasn't my rock bottom. This was the start to going to the to the real dark side. Okay. Oh, you know, the places that people talk about that you don't ever, you hear people talk about it and it's just it's it's fun but it's dark you're mm-hmm. always alone, you do things that you think you're getting away with shit but you're actually not right, mm-hmm. you know and I did So when I got called when when Mackie did that then what happened was I, uh, now I had to go in the substance abuse program mm-hmm. but little did I know that the blues were actually getting me followed and I was buying shit from undercover cops oh shit Kelly Chase warned me, thank God. Yeah. Or kind of, but I'd already been jacked. It all happened within a week, man. Wow. And so now no one knew that I went in the substance because it's it's supposed to be anonymous, right? Right. But no one ever knew and, and so I went in. So then when I came back off of, uh, out of playing from going back to the, uh, you know, I, I, that year now I got to be I got a piss test every fucking day. It was brutal, man. Yeah. And then I come back for training camp. My wrist is bad. They redo the surgery, but I can't really. I got to be careful because they're testing. They're watching me, right? right. I'm like basically house harassed to some degree, right? Yeah. Still, Like what I should have done at that time when I see my career. I was, you know, what I tell the guys this year, I probably would have played another two or three years. Mm. you know yeah but because of my choices of the drugs and the alcohol yeah when you know I hadn't played played eight games in two years and I got three places I could either go to Carolina the Panthers or the Islanders yeah I've been given a one way at like 600,000 up to making one up to over a million with games played right Mm -hmm. or if I'm in the roster by certain dates, right? Yeah. And uh, I just said to hell with it. I thought I looked at my bank account, looked at, ah, you know what, I got enough money. I'm like, fuck, though, you know what, shit. When you start partying, like I was partying there for a while, there's, you, you need a lot of money. <laughs> yeah, I bet. And, and that kind of was my part of my coming home to Saskatoon that I just kind of, I basically... Uh, uh, what do you call that? Um, pull the shoot. Yeah. On myself, right?
1: Yeah. Mm-hmm.
2: And that's something I, you know, and I, I tell my, my son this and my daughter even, like, you know, like something that I cannot turn back, but those are like the poor choices that I made. That was it right there. Yeah. Because if I know my career was really coming today, what I should have done was because I like coaching, I got a bit of a, I believe I've got a bit of a knack for it. Mm-hmm. Um, I could have just transition into a coach right there right now the blues would have said okay rich is making 1.3 million uh let's just you know what i know i can't play but let me learn this side you
1: right. know what i mean mm-hmm.
2: so and then it was just you know i you want to go into all this stuff you want to talk to dude
0: i'll talk about anything if you're well, cool with it go for it
2: oh yeah no so i end up coming back to saskatoon yeah uh and then from When a time when I called uh, Mike Keenan and said I wasn't coming, like in September, because I was going to go to camp, that's what I was signing with was Florida. I signed with.
1: Yeah.
2: And uh, from that, basically September till June of the next year, Yeah. I went as hard as you could, fuddle. No kidding. Yeah. With booze and coke and... uh, Then I was at a place where I knew I was out of control and I couldn't stop it anymore. So that whole train thing
1: yeah
2: that was it i mean september (laughs) to june that's that's like 10 months 10 months of pedal down and and drinking like hours and doing well basically doing coke to basically keep yourself safe stable to straighten yourself up to get function you're lucky Um, alive man well here's what i did and this is the part that i didn't own up to until like i think i had four years of sobriety five years maybe yeah I I tried to end my life, right? With oh, I'm uh kidding. I tried to make it look like a car accident.
1: Yeah.
2: So I tried to look like I was drunk driving, and you know what? He just went out, he was drunk driving, but I actually was trying to take my life. Oh, my God. So I ended up uh, having uh, two compression fractures in my lower back. So I broke my back, basically. Um, and a uh, bunch of crushed whatever discs, whatever I have down there now and but basically walked away yeah walked away from it and then uh, i had about three or four good drunks after i came out like once a month and then uh it was number november 8th of or november 8th of 04 with my last time drinking holy uh,
0: shit yeah well, you're here for a reason, man. I mean, if you if you believe in that stuff, and I do, like the whole higher power thing or religion, and oh yeah, I mean, yeah. you're definitely here for a reason. And uh, yeah. I I mean, uh, to say that not that me saying I'm proud of you, but uh, I'm I'm proud of oh, you yeah. that what you've overcome. Yeah. That's amazing.
2: Well, it's a it's a road that I hope that my kids will have to go through. They learn from all the shit I've made. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. You know, and they it's it's your whole thing of life choices. You know, and and uh, you know, and it's you know, I, I a friend of mine that I don't show. say says it's true. It's, There's a the saying that says, "Show me your friends, I'll show you the future."
1: Yeah,
2: that's fucking true, man. Yeah, it really is. Like the people you hang around with, the people you rub elbows with, whether they're if they're druggies you're going to be a druggy. If they're fucking asshole, you're probably an asshole. Yeah,
1: <laughs> yeah, you know what no, I know. Mean? It makes sense. You
2: know? Yeah. So uh, yeah. So, anyways, yeah. It's kind of uh, yeah. That kind of that kind of been it in a nutshell.
0: Wow. Well, um, I mean that's that's a pretty amazing story, and I'm glad you're still with us, man. Definitely. Yeah.
2: No. Thank you, Joe. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Oh, well, I, I,
0: go ahead. No, go ahead. Yeah. I only have a few more questions, and they're all happy questions.
2: So they're all happy, <laughs> uh,
0: they're all happy questions. So uh, I remember hearing it, it seemed pretty early from when you were here on the Islanders. Uh, the whole, uh, chariot racing and, uh, the horse stuff. Uh, when did you become interested in that stuff?
2: Well, I was kind of, my dad did it, right? So we just, uh, it was part of our, our whole just lifestyle. Yeah. You know, and it's, uh, it's something that, you know, you grow up around. I'm, it's still in my blood, right? You know, where you, uh, we just, my dad did it and, uh, uh. We had to do it for, ball it around with kind of our family thing, our family hangout, and yeah, we just. And I just kind of carried it on, and then when I got to be in, now that I have, I have race, I have a few race horses now. Like, did fairly well at one time, kind of t- trained a little bit here, by I train in my now, and just it's, it's just an, it's more of, it's a hobby, right? They're not a you know they're not a money making thing at all, but. Um, you know, I, the Islanders stopped me from being the chariot stuff, so I went to thoroughbreds as, as an owner. Oh, yeah. That was, yeah, my second contract. Mm-hmm.
1: So
0: I, I do know, I, I know you've asked me a few times, did Mick talk about this, did Mick talk about this? One thing Mick did talk about is how his investment didn't really yield a lot of uh, uh, money on the back end when he invested in something with you. He told me the story where... Uh, um, he, he invested some money in some horses, and then I think it was when he was with Montreal, uh, I think we where he, for it.
2: yeah, we bought a, we bought a dog,
0: yeah, <laughs> <laughs> and then and then I think yeah, whatever it was that he put in, and it, he got back like pennies on the dollar, and yeah, uh, terrible. yeah. so uh, so he did tell me that he got a good laugh about that, so
2: yeah, yeah, he's a good guy, he was, yeah, uh, yeah he's a, he a good just a guy he, yeah, he's got a lot of kids, too. <laughs> <laughs> he's the man. He's he's
0: great. Um, are you in the Prince Albert Raiders Hall of Fame? Did I read that right?
2: Yeah, I'm on. Yeah.
0: Right. Okay. Okay. You
2: know, and I haven't, like, you know, I'm supposed to, what I should do is actually get my craft together, and, you know, I'd probably get into the Saskatchewan Hall of Fame, which I probably should do, right? Yeah. You know, it will be something to... You know, for the kids down the road and Definitely. got a statue of you forgot they could be probably for sure in the Saskatchewan all of, it. of course. I mean absolutely.
0: Yeah. I mean and, and listen, Prince Albert, the Raiders uh, have a have a pretty storied history. So to yeah. uh to be on their wall, to be in any sort of get sort of an from, from the Raiders, uh that's a pretty big deal I'm sure up there.
2: It is, yeah, it is. Yeah, when they they, we, they brought me down there for it. was kind of, the yeah, Raiders are, they're, they're a good organization, you know what I mean? They, they're they still kind of, well, they kind of community with the guy, one of the guys that kind of runs the whole show, but uh, the guys that they brought, you know what's good about the Raiders, they bring back a lot of their alumni. Yeah. And, you know, like Curtis Hunt being there, he's done a hell of a job as a general manager, and um, it's nice to see, and a lot of teams do that. You know, mean mm-hmm. when they bring their they got someone. It looks like you got a little bit of talented coaching or something, whatever you want to call it. And they give those guys an opportunity, especially when you've when you bled those colors before. It's no different than the Islanders. The Islanders yeah. kind of a different boat because they have so many owner changes, right? Yep. But you know when you get when you you know now with the issue with the Islanders. I thought. Yeah. They weren't bringing guys in that were part of the team. They were. Mike was bringing in his college guys.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: Right. Yep. So that was when Mike, you know, didn't... I, mean, I remember, like, sometimes Nye and Clarky saying we'd be having a few beers. They would just... Because Mike disrespected those guys. And he really did. Oh, yeah. Uh, absolutely. And it was partly because they kicked the shit out of Boston when they were trying. Yeah, crying. absolutely. Right. Absolutely.
0: So, absolutely. Yeah, so... Um, three more questions. Believe it or not, we're almost done. No, it's all good. Yeah, no, it's yeah. all good, yeah. Yeah. Um, so you've already spoken about your son Garrett, and we're going to touch on him in a minute. But you also have a nephew, uh, Ryan, who was actually drafted by the Islanders in 2015.
2: Uh, well, Ryan just looks like got a lot of him. Okay. Um, Ryan was my, he's a cousin. Oh,
0: he's a cousin, okay.
2: Yeah, like, and you know, yeah, he's a cousin. Ryan's a cousin. And he's, you know, Ryan comes down to work ethic. Doesn't, doesn't have it. Okay. You know that's what it came down to Ryan. He, as a player, skilled and big, and just no drive though. Okay. Okay.
0: I didn't know that. I just saw the that you had. Well, it
2: was too easy for Ryan. I remember Ryan when he was a kid. Yeah. And watching him up here in that, he was a '96. So I, I, was around that group right quite a bit. Mm-hmm. With he, yeah, he was a '96. No. Okay. What year was he?
0: I don't know. I know he was drafted in '15.
2: 15. So he'd be, Garrett was dropped. Yeah, he's a 96.
0: Okay.
2: He is a 96. And, you know, I remember my son Garrett, because Garrett's a 98, yeah. and Garrett played up one year
1: mm-hmm.
2: as an underage when he was, yeah, he was 13. And we played against Ryan, and I'm like, geez, he's just the biggest kid I'll give. You. He's so good.
1: Yeah.
2: But he never had to work for anything. Right. Everything was fucking handed to him. But not like that way, but... You know, everybody wanted him on the team. Everybody would do everything to get him on the team, right? It didn't help the kid to actually earn something, to find out what it's like to earn something. Right, right. I gotcha. Um,
0: and then the next next thing is, and you've, you've spoken about him a few times, um, It's you had a great career, um, obviously. But what's it like when you're there and your son your son gets drafted? I mean, that's got to be such an amazing feeling.
2: Well, amazing for him. Like, you know what I mean? Because you just see it how how bad and uh, you know I know how much time he's put in I right. know what the work he's he's committed he's not a entitled kid he's mm-hmm. not a he's had to work pretty much for everything that was you know and I'm not the easiest on him because and it's not easy for him to be a son of a player a right. dad you know what I mean mm-hmm. Just pressure and it's not like the Kachuks where he got you know what I mean Garrett like I said would, would if he would get an opportunity at the NHL level yeah like a play, I think he would. I, I think know he would actually probably blossom there better than he would. But he's doing well in the. He's done well in the minors, even. You know what I mean? Yeah. But he's 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 a thinker, and that he gets in his own way because he's too smart for his own good. You know yeah. what I mean? Yeah. Mm-hmm. What's going on? And yeah, and it doesn't help that dad knows what's going on too now. Right. So I see the political shit showing the agendas within a coach trying to... I don't think it's right. Like, I don't get it.
1: Right? Right, right.
2: Just do what's right. Mm-hmm. You know, no matter who, whether it's my son or not.
1: Like, right? Yeah.
2: Or or, Clarkie, or you know what I mean? Yeah. Um. So, he's a... Uh, yeah, proud of him, and, you know, very proud of him, actually, just because he's not only a good player, but he's more you know, than... Uh, he's a good... You know, he's been a good kid, right? Yeah. So. Um, he's, he's learned not to do some of the stuff that I've done. And God, I guess, you know what? It's, it's the first time i my kids are, what, 22 now and 25?
1: Mm-hmm.
2: And this is the first time they drank around me in the last, this year. Oh, is that right? Yeah, they never used to. And I used to be like, fuck, it's weirding me out a little bit, right? Cause, <laughs> like, they're like, cause, but they're trying to respect the fact that I don't drink, right? Right.
1: right. Mm-hmm.
2: Which is good, but uh, they still, like I said to them, you guys got to be
1: careful. Yeah, yeah.
2: Uh, and then finally, um, so
0: people always say, oh, what are these guys doing now? What are they doing now? And you are the head coach and general manager of the Weyburn Red Wings of the SJHL um, for, uh, for those people that don't know it. Now, you, you started out just as the head coach, if I'm not mistaken, correct?
2: Yes, I did, yeah.
0: And how did that, how did that whole uh, situation come about?
2: Um Eagle. <laughs> <laughs> Well, how did how did
0: you how did you get the job to begin with? Um, well, I got
2: the first of all. I tried to get the job in PA. The you know the Mitch team I got drafted from. Yeah. I was kind of led. I was led to believe that, that I was getting that job. Okay. And all of a sudden, they I picked a couple of players. I signed, and all of a sudden they went they went with a guy that had no hockey background and was an analytics guy. Oh no, kidding. And I kind of didn't really prepare for my meeting, like my my meeting, the way I should have. Yeah. I just kind of. Oh, something's deepened.
0: Yeah, that you're on your end or mine.
1: The
2: door. That's okay. I got it. Anyways, uh, so then I was like, "Holy shit! If I can't get a major AAA job, like, what the hell?" Yeah. Like, I kind of like coaching, but I'm like Jesus. If I can get a mid triple-A job with the team that I got dropped to the NHL from,
1: yeah, what
2: the fuck is going on? <laughs> so a friend of mine called me and said that this job in Wayburn was available. I'm like, you know what? I'm going to get everything ready and go see if I can just apply for that job. I really don't want it, but I'm going to apply like and do everything that I want. Right. And I got all my shit in order. I went to my interviews, blah, blah, blah. All of a sudden, they said, yeah, we want a coach. Nice. And then when, you know, wanted to coach to work with the new GM, they were, I was going to be the assistant GM and coach, head coach, right? Yeah. But I was going to be the one holding the hammer, like basically teaching this younger GM a little bit. Yeah. Hopefully. Yeah. But him and I just, it wouldn't work. And right. um, He was a bit not willing to, uh, he had his way, and, like, I tried to explain to him that you're not getting players you like. You have to get players that I like. Right, will to be able to be coached by me. Right, so I had a certain style, a certain mentality, right? Yeah. And he didn't really want to do that, I think. Like, and that was the problem they had in previous. So they asked me if I'd do both. I'd never DM at Well, you know, I've run like programs, but yeah. never. You know, I did so. Taking over this organization was just it was it was actually a, it was a lot of fun.
0: Yeah.
2: Challenging, fun, something to get up for in the morning. Um, puts a little bit, little you know, a little bit more jump in your step, and uh, it was it was just a real good, uh, yeah, overall experience. It was, it was it was it's been good, it's been work, uh, but it's been fun. It's fun to do something again, it comes back to being part of that whole hockey world, and um, now it's a challenge to try and build a team and getting a team to come together and. You know, learning from my mistakes. I've learned the league now, and obviously you said, you know, you're you're coaching against other guys, like Kevin that's in the league, and yeah. it's, all, it's like a chess game, right? Mm-hmm. And trying to out recruit each other. And you know, our situation in Wayburn is that we financially just it's like a lot of junior A teams. you really gotta be you gotta watch your you're really watching your numbers, and it's, sometimes it makes it tough, but that's part of, that's another part of the challenge also. Is uh, is the goal to eventually try to get to the NHL? You know what, my goal, if I could, yeah. You know what, I, I again, you know, like I don't want to look too far ahead. Sure, I believe I've got the uh, the way I, I handle. I'm a good. I'm good with people. Yeah, and I think that's one of my strengths. But I also understand the game. I under, I think I I I have to be better at as much as I want to be fair because my whole goal is to try not leave anybody out because I was always a kid that was left out.
1: Yeah.
2: So I'm trying to make it, make everybody feel part of it. And I think, and I hope that my philosophy on getting every 20 guys to be able to play as much as they can Mm -hmm. and feel part of it, not just be a bench warmer or play the, the, you know, the four, you know, five to eight minutes a game, but they're the crap scene at the end of the period when you're losing, you know what I mean? Yeah.
1: Mm
2: -hmm. Um, And make those young men feel good about themselves and being able to leave the program or or be part of our our organization um, and just feel good. And I don't know if it's possible because... It seems like you always got to shorten your damn bench so much, and I'm trying not to do that. So I'm hoping to pick the right people. Right. That it doesn't matter who we have on the fucking ice, that they actually can get the job done. Right. I understand? Yeah. So that's kind of my philosophy. I'm hoping that I can do that here in Weyburn. and if I can spend three to maybe five years on the high end there, if I sign, I've got a two-year plus one.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: I know I'll be there for. I know I'll be there for the three years because of the. Uh, it's kind of, you know, the, the the kids that I brought in and out in the last. I made a shitload of trades. Like, the, when you're talking about Mike, I fucking did a lot of trading. <laughs> I had 45 cards, and I used them all. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> Unreal. But I won't be like that. Yeah. yeah. Well, Rich, we actually, yeah,
0: yeah. we actually just hit the four-hour mark. So, uh, I'm out of questions, except I guess I have one left. Um, did I miss anything in your uh, long and illustrious career that I didn't ask you
2: um, Got my first goal, got my fight, my yeah. first fight, my last fight. Yeah. Um, a lot of stuff in between. Well, yeah, no, I don't think you know. We haven't missed anything. I think just uh, for everybody that's listening, I think it's... Uh, I appreciate you reaching out and doing this and... Uh, it's been a been an honor just to be questioned by you and give you a little bit more insight about me and finding out some of the stories that i know a lot of people don't know about and you kind of let the cat we let the cat out of the bag there is a there's a lot of stories that we can still tell that we probably can't say on this on this on this podcast yeah but, uh, you know overall it's just the appreciation of the game and 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 understanding that uh for me everything i' have become a hockey so, and I'm grateful for that so
1: Wow. Well. thank you
0: now, the pleasure was all mine. Uh, really, thank you very much for all this time. It uh, it means the world to me that you'd, uh, you'd give me all this time. And uh, it was an absolute pleasure to have you on here. And uh, let's keep in touch. Yeah, for sure. Many thanks again to Rich Pilon for his time. Um, Rich dropped uh, some information there that I wasn't aware of. And uh, similar to uh, the stuff that Dave Chazowski told me that I also wasn't aware of, uh, that's a big reason why I enjoy doing this show. Um, obviously, um, as I said from day one, the show keeps me in contact with the game, keeps me interested in the game. It allows me to reconnect with a lot of players who, uh, who I've been able to get to know on a personal level and be friends with. And, uh, you know, as time goes on and you have families and they have families, you kind of drift apart a little bit. Uh but uh, one of the few good things about social media is it's easy to reconnect. And um I, I think one of the good things is after you speak to uh to I think this is more of a man thing. Uh you cannot speak to one of your buddies for five or ten years and uh, after about twenty minutes you're all caught up and it's uh and it's like you never lost contact. So um I really enjoyed doing this episode with Rich and, uh, you know, four hours worth was uh, was a lot of time on his part. And I'm very grateful. And uh, I hope that uh, you people enjoyed that chat that uh, I had with Richie. Um, as far as next week goes, as of right now, I don't have anyone lined up. Uh, I do have to follow up with someone this week. And uh, there's always a couple of guys I need to reach out to that uh, we just can't seem to get lined up. So uh maybe i'll be able to uh finalize something with uh, with someone this week and bring you something next week of course now that uh, i have become a victim of the uh of the shutdown i have officially been furloughed from my job Uh, hopefully that ends sooner rather than later this really sucks Um, and i feel like i'm at the mercy of politicians now uh, not necessarily uh, at the mercy of a disease or a virus so um hopefully these politicians do the right thing. And, uh, you know, which is uh, really asking a lot as far as I'm concerned. As you know, I don't hold politicians in very high regard. So um, I guess the one positive of being in uh, being furloughed is that uh, I have more time to do this show and maybe line up some interviews. But uh, I'd I'd much rather be working and uh, have to find time to do these interviews. But I will do my best to uh, bring you uh, an episode next week. Hopefully I will. And hopefully at some point I will have good news about uh, getting back to work. But uh, that sucks. And um, not that any politicians listen to this show, like uh, Governor Cuomo or Mayor de Blasio. But uh, I hope you shitheads get shit together because uh, I'm now one of those people that is out of work. Uh, Everything's shut down. So... uh, you know, let's, uh, let's keep this trajectory going and uh, let's make positive strides and, and we'll go from there. So anyway, um, everybody, you guys have a great week and everybody be safe out there. Take care.